0: This episode of File Underwater is brought to you by two things. One, the charity event we're holding for one of our hosts, uh, one of the hosts of the level, Jalaprenda's. Um, we are doing a live stream on July 28th where we are raising money uh, for her medical bills. Because uh, in this country, white guys streaming is what you have instead of universal health care. Um, yeah, so we're, we're trying to raise some money for Jalaprenda's. Um, hit us up. Go to uh, our website, duckfeed.tv, for more details um and please uh watch and please chip in the other thing it's brought to you by is our patreon if you go to patreon.com duckfeedtv tv you can see all of our new goals uh see all of our new uh, rewards everything we've restructured and we'd love it if you came checked it out and considered uh joining the community thank you My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. You're listening to File Underwater, the show where we try to convince you that R.E.M. is America's Greatest Rock Band.
1: Yes, and this week we are talking about New Adventures in Hi-Fi, which was released under Warner on September the 9th of 1996.
0: Yeah, and can I ask you a question, Cole? Yeah. How come neither of our Wi-Fi networks are called New Adventures in Wi-Fi? Because mine is called Firelink. Okay. Firelink's pretty good, and mine's called Because Fi. So, <laughs> both of which are, are yeah, okay. The New Adventures in Wi Fi is pretty good.
1: It's pretty good, yeah. If I yeah. Uh, if I need to change it at any point, uh, possibly yeah. because I named my network on the air, um, yeah. then yes, I will do <laughs> yeah.
0: New Adventures yeah. in Wi Fi. Well, people, people have to know, uh, like, swing by your house and, like, you know, <laughs> be a real real tedious way to tr- track you down. like, Just driving, <laughs> just, just going down every street, yeah. Yeah. yeah, just waiting for that network to pop up. <laughs> yeah uh no i
1: can't answer that question i think that uh but yes that is absolutely a very clever a, a very clever thing
0: i hope that it's mike mills's wi-fi password oh and then he doesn't password protect or his wi-fi and he just doesn't password protect it It's just like come on in yeah like, yeah the internet's fine fellas yeah. <laughs> oh that mine oh. the the home page cnn yeah. doc, or not cnn uh uh the the sports channel c-span ESPN. No. ESPN? ESPN, thank you. <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ, Gary. <laughs> what the fuck?
0: <laughs> oh. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I, don't normally,
1: I don't normally try to make people feel ashamed, but I think you need to go go see
0: a head doctor. Yeah, that wasn't my best work. I no. I, don't, I haven't thought about ESPN in a very long time, to be yeah. fair. Okay. But I did. I was thinking about Mike Mills and baseball because you can get a Mike Mills baseball card on eBay. Did you know that? No. No. It's really nice looking too. We should we should both look into it. Yeah, um, yeah, huh. and it's not expensive. So yeah, there was like a a weird like limited you know re- like print thing of like old timey looking baseball cards with different different people like musicians and stuff on them. And there's a Mike Mills one.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and I guess this the, the this has uh, earned its way to the top of the episode because everybody needs to know about it. Mike Mills is on Twitter. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. it's good
1: too.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, like it, Mikey M, I think Mikey underscore um, M. M M Mills M Millsy. There we go. Um, Yeah, and he's he's generally he's politically in a good place, mm-hmm. which I like. Uh, And then he uh, everything every once in a while something really quaint comes out, and yeah. he responds quotes to everyone who seems to to tweet at him. Yeah.
2: So I'm yeah. I, I
1: I am trying my best to compose in my head the perfect tweet to Mike Mills that says
0: I really respect you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just please, like, you know notice me, senpai. Yeah. Like this, this is—I've always made fun of that, but this is the first time I—I I've, I've related to it. Yeah, you know, like, a, like a Mike Mills getting retweeted by Mike Mills, like that'd be something. Yeah. So, oh, man,
1: look, look for that in the future, and please look. Don't touch. Like, don't say, "Hey, here's a yeah, yeah, show about don't, this don't. thing." Don't. Yeah, don't, don't, don't draw attention to us. I just want people to know that Mike Mills exists on Twitter, and it is a pro follow if there ever was one.
0: In an, in a weird like alternate version of the this world where the show like really really took off mm-hmm. there's a version where the last episode we get to have mike mills on yeah and like you know perchance it's a dream <laughs> like, like that just like that would be that would be so incredible even though it would turn into chris farley show because like it i don't cer- know it certainly
1: would like i don't I don't, I, yeah. I don't know that i have anything to say it'd be like uh, uh what donald glover's character in community getting to meet uh um oh gosh Levar burton i just just wide eyes and squealing nothing to say yeah
0: I mean, I, I think I, I could find something if yeah. I had to, even if it was just to, like, really, really genuinely express my appreciation for him as a human and musician. Yeah. Yeah. You because know, it's, it's somebody who is in many ways had had a big influence on me. And, like, mm-hmm. if anything, this show does uh, <laughs> is it has distilled my general R.E.M. love to make it more specific. Like, I still love <laughs> R.E.M. in general. Yeah. But it, being able to put a, a name to it. Yeah. And that name being Mike Mills is very good. Yes.
1: Yeah. So. Just a just just a short little PSA at the top there before we get into the meat of this episode, talking about an album that uh, both of us really enjoy. I
0: love this album; it's great. This is um this is my out of I like this more than anything comes after it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is depending on the day, this is my favorite REM album. Yeah, um, I love Reckoning. There are other albums I love very much, mm-hmm. but I really like New Adventures in and Hi-Fi, and it was my favorite for a really long time. Yeah, like unquestioned favorite. Mm-hmm. And um, for
1: me, I forgot... I shamefully kind of forget that it exists a lot of the time mm. just when i'm going back because i don't listen to i don't listen to music an awful lot and you know i might this was kind of like monster where i mined it for singles and then i've never it's been a very long time since so i've actually sat down and listened listen to it front to back to appreciate it in like its context you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. it's context and then like the album tracks are very good it's not front to back great you know, there are a couple a couple of real skippers on this bad boy, mm-hmm. but it is uh, it is extremely good. Yeah. And to me, this is the synthesis and the good expression of what they were kind of circling around with automatic and monster. Yeah. You know, this is this is the, the middle ground that I wanted. This is the uh, the mama bear or the baby bear rather.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, right. And I would
1: even go so far as say that like New Adventures in Hi-Fi beyond uh, maybe after Chronic Town would be like if you needed a good starter REM album, this might be it. I think so, too. Yeah
0: um yeah let's uh let's get into it let's do it um so this was as we mentioned last episode this was recorded largely can recorded and conceived of during the gigantic monster tour yes um and they had this idea like while we're on tour to uh bring uh, a recorder along and put out initially they wanted to put out a live album they eventually kind of became this hybrid yeah but this happened simultaneously during that support tour and that tour went pretty well for the health issues aside. Right.
1: In terms and the of And recording
0: this album was very frictionless. Yeah. <laughs> like especially
1: compared to the nightmare and communication breakdown that recording Monster was, right? Yes. Um and so, you know, they ended that tour not just having gotten a lot of, you know, just uh, kind of principal recordings down getting the basic tracks and stuff, um they also ended it like feeling really close to each other as a band you know, because
0: yeah. it had been forever since they wrote songs on the road. Yeah. And they, they, it was a very like specific thing to recalculate or to recapture that. Right. Like it was intentional. Like, Hey, that that's, a, we're a live band. <laughs> we're a performing band. Um, let's get, uh, let's recapture some of that feeling, you know, because that, that there's an immediacy to this album and kind of like a lack of over polish, uh, that I think is really, really effective. Yes. You know, um, you know, compared to kind of like the uh the just everything has you know 17 strings on it of automatic and everything has kind of a weird gimmick effect on it mm-hmm. of monster um this is a little bit more immediate um in a way that i think is is really really yeah. powerful and, and that was the intention yeah
1: monster <laughs> monster was written by a band that no longer toured trying to make something to tour around uh Auto, new adventures in high fi was written by a touring band uh, to capture that experience kind of more authentically. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: And them feeling really close together was probably just Bill Berry's, like, anglerfish, like, getting them in so he can <laughs> throw the rug out of them or yeah. under them. You
1: know? So um, on these notes, Gary, I put the Bill Barry story at the end of this mm, episode, yeah. actually, so we didn't have to, like, go into the body of the album bumped out, because it actually yeah. is really
0: depressing. It is actually pretty depressing. And we'll talk about that a lot more during the next album, uh, because... Which is in the next episode. The next episodes our letters episode. Yeah. But during the next album, because that is about them dealing with the fallout of it. Yeah. So it's a it's, it's a very interesting time for the band. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as we as we said, this was recorded like largely during. Um, there's a Michael Stipe when they went into it has a quote where he said he wanted to make an album where you couldn't tell which songs were live and which ones were recorded. Mm-hmm. Like the idea was everything would have that kind of live feeling to it. Mm-hmm. And like spoiler, you can tell. Oh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> listening to it, which ones are live, but they do they still fit in.
2: Right.
1: Yeah, and so you end up like doing this jumping back and forth, you know, between ones that do have that energy uh, and ones mm. and ones that don't. And it's kind of paced like I think one of the biggest problems with the album is pacing uh, and that and that is that you know that is a symptom of that. Um mm. but also like it it is novel and like this this reads like a document at times.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I think I I think that um well I mean we'll get into it when we start talking about it. I think the pacing is actually pretty good. <laughs> um when i compare it to albums that are more of a piece you know there's something like i kind of i really value that mo- you know that kind of moving around yeah yeah um there's like a, a peter buck quote about how this album is like his second favorite after automatic -hmm. And he said, like these songs are better, but automatic does a better, better job of sustaining a mood. Mm -hmm. And like I agree, the songs are better, but I think automatic sustaining a mood is a negative thing, right? Not a positive thing, you know. Um, And this does a really good job, I think, of like moving around enough to where it's kind of hard to get Mm -hmm. get bored. Like they're experimenting within not the widest sphere. It's not like a you know let's let's go absolutely crazy. But there's some Mm -hmm. real risks on here as well for something that has that live feeling to it. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: So I mean, this is more in the reckoning vein.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. Which is uh, the only part of that's so strong. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, they modeled the sounds of the album and some of their approach to it after Neil Young's "Time Fades Away," uh, which is a really good but short album, uh, like that has like "Love and Mind" on it and "Journey Through the Past," like some really, some really good um, Neil Young before he started going off the rails, uh, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. There are some quotes about the production on this. Peter Buck said, "Oh, this is just the band we are." you know, it's the kind of band we are. I'm really proud of the fact that we did it under adverse circumstances and full speed ahead and damn the torpedoes and all of that, which is a very Peter Buck type thing to say. Here we have Mike Mills being, I think, a little bit more honest saying, it was partly motivated by laziness. Uh, if we could do as much as possible on the road, that's the stuff we didn't have to do in the studio. That's one reason why this album was so easy to make.
0: Yeah, yeah. And well, it, makes, it makes sense too. And it, yeah. it it's, uh, you know, because when you do, you know, I only really have a, like a tiny part of this from from touring when I was in a band we obviously weren't a real big band. But the two things that make it make sense to cut an album on the road, especially if you're this the size is one. Um, there's tons of downtime, mm-hmm. like uh, on tour. Yeah. Right. Like if you're not if you're not young and you're going out partying every night, like, you know, some cities, it takes the whole day to drive there. A lot of times the city is two hours away mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you've got eight hours to kill. Yeah, uh, so that's, and that's why you see on Twitter, like you see bands you like, like having dinner and stuff in your town because right you get there early. Yeah. It's, um, so, it's
1: downtime, but they're still working anyway. Like they are not doing exactly what they want to
2: be doing at that time.
0: Yeah, they can't. They, you can't. You're limited in what you could do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of the reason why when uh, so people understand when it's like written during sound check. What's that mean? What that means exactly is like these big productions. They essentially play a set before they play the set. Mm-hmm. You know that you play a lot of songs during during these sound checks um just to get the sound right over and over and over and it's like it doesn't really matter what you're playing Mm -hmm. during that time like if you have all your songs practiced you can play whatever you want as long as it has roughly the same kind of sound palette so like them saying like hey we wrote these these songs during our downtime let's practice them during sound check like it's a really efficient use of time yeah and they they talk about there's a quote uh in one of the books i have where they talk about it re-energizing the tour because like you start out the tour (laughs) And everyone on the crew is an R, you know, is an REM fan or oftentimes they, you know, they choose this for a reason yeah. and they watch you do the soundcheck. They're like, this is really cool. I'm getting to watch this like REM concert for just me. Yeah. Um. And then as the tour goes on, they get sick of hearing the same songs and they go off and do their own thing. Mm-hmm. And they said when they started doing these new songs, people came back. Right. Like their crew and stage crew would watch them play. Yeah. Because uh, it was all new stuff.
1: Yeah. They were they, they were under the hood.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um and it was it was kind of like that getting to see the demo version thing that we get to do a little bit on this show. Mm-hmm. Which I I can really see the appeal of if if uh, you're a huge fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um
1: the sound on this album uh differs a little bit, uh not just because they recorded it live, um, but uh because they also brought in more people. Uh so as opposed to just having Peter Holzapfel on. Uh, he's no longer around, uh, but on the tour, they brought in Scott McCaughey and uh, Nathan December, and they are all over this album, uh, kind of in the flex positions uh, that are needed to, you know, fill out the sound or let the um, original four play the instruments that they wanted to play on this.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and Scott Ma, uh, McCaughey is the guy from uh, the Minus 5, Minus Five and the Young Fresh Fellows, mm-hmm. um, which uh, are both pretty good bands. Yeah. And is currently, uh, in the, uh, the baseball project, the side project with, uh, with Mike Mills, with Peter Buck. Yeah. Mike Mills and Peter Buck. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, uh, but yeah, the, he's a, he was a musician in his own right. And is a cool, cool songwriter, cool guitar player. Yeah. Um, they kind of did these, uh, mixed, they recorded kind of in lots of different places, but they primarily did their mixing and kind of did overdubs and a little bit additional instrumentation at the bad animal studio in Seattle. Yeah. Um, there are multiple places, like multiple sound check things though, where actual recorded, you know, there is a live element of this. It wasn't like they just demoed it. Right. Like there are songs we'll get to that. They sound very raw,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and they're literally recorded in front of people. Yeah. You know, but the crowd noise omitted. Of course.
1: Cause that yeah. would be a, uh, that would be very strange. I don't want to hear the crowd noise.
0: <laughs> no, no. Like a live album is not always my, like, that's a weird kind of uh, on a CD mm-hmm. is a, is a weird proposition. Yeah a lot of time, like going to a live show feels very different mm-hmm. and there have been live albums I liked, but honestly, you know, it's kind of a, not a winning proposition for me. No, no. In general. Um, so it's, it's uh they sound a little bit raw, but they just kind of sound like they could be recorded in a garage too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the title
1: for the album comes from, uh, kind of the spoof. Uh, it's an ironic kind of nod toward these old tapes on uh, discs that were used to demo, uh the features of high end stereos in uh the 1950s and most of them had these uh you know these kind of cheesy titles um mm-hmm. talking about hi fi and things like that this uh their their affection for those kind of came from the art rock scene a little bit like the b52s would collect those in the 70s ironically
0: yeah yeah um yeah and and that's kind of you know uh that's cool i like that mm-hmm. uh, i think it's a good turn of phrase too mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of fun. I like self-referential kind of things like that. Yeah. Um, Other potential titles with, you know, keeping tradition of being very bad, (laughs) um, including REM's own thing, which like that would have destroyed me.
1: (laughs) Don't put your name in your album title.
0: Yeah. That that would have been very bad. A revolution of our minds. That sucks. No. Uh, In stereo Um, is fine. Yeah. West is fine. Low desert is fine. Both of those are fine. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Everything else that they could have done sucks. A little bit. Yeah.
1: yeah uh the cover for the album is a photo that michael Stipe took while they were uh, on tour in the southwest uh it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a pretty cool uh picture of a desert scene got this kind of mountain off in the distance at the center uh, everything in the foreground that's moving qu- uh quicker because their emotion is blurred um mm-hmm. yeah i think it uh, really fits uh, a good number of tracks on the album
0: yeah it's striking yeah yeah it's a it's a cool cover with the uh you know, the REM font of course uh, they, i don't know that's a specific font but they have a, a specific kind of understated typography they use a lot which i like
1: yeah yeah it's like a like a
0: fixed with typewriter uh kind of yeah. kind of deal um they did not uh tour for this album which totally makes sense they recorded it on tour and everything mm-hmm. you know like it's it's like we just did like a huge fucking tour you know? <laughs> and they they would go on to tour with up um so it, they weren't gonna take as long of a break right as they did before but they didn't tour for this they did a couple of promotion shows uh around la and they're like kind of scattered performances here and there right but no full tour
1: um, so the band really, really loves this album. Uh, Michael Stipe, I think even still today says this is his favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he compares it to murmur, uh, for a lot of reasons, not just because, it, you know, has a diverse, diverse sound. Um, it has kind of some diverse content on it, uh, but also from the context, uh, in which it was made in which both of them were made.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's fair, yeah. right? Like I, I think it's, it's less sonically of a piece than, than murmur, it, mm-hmm. but that's to its strength. You know, because Murmur has everything has that kind of like really, really warm, crazy amounts of reverb on it. Um, And this is uh, a little bit more more dynamic than that. Yeah. Um, It charted well, uh, but not fantastically. It was still kind of, uh, you know, it went to number two in the US and then eventually sank um, because of a band called New Edition. (laughs) Nobody remembers. (laughs) But it did did really well. Bobby
1: Brown, but nobody remembers New Edition.
0: Um, And in other countries, though, it actually did very well. Yeah. Um, Um, So by no means a flop.
1: Yeah, we talked about that back in uh, back in the monster time. But, you know, somewhere around this, you know, around the mid 90s, R.E.M.'s primary um, primary audience shifted from being domestic here in the United States to having a lot of success over in Europe. Um, The book that I read, Remarks Remembered or Perfect Circle, depending on which uh, which version you get. There's a lot of um, kind of hand wringing over why this happened. Um, mm-hmm. whether it had to do with uh just the changing music scene and R E M no longer being outsiders uh you know being the establishment um or whether it was just uh fatigue that R E M when the first album that was released in a territory was No Adventures in Hi-Fi it performed like Gangbusters because nobody there was tired of them yet yeah um, you know there there are lots of theories about this um and the timing of their re-upping with Warner Brothers Probably um, would have changed the nature of that deal if they signed it after uh, Warner saw how New Adventures was received. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which, we, which we didn't talk about. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, uh, but this is them renewing their their contract, and that was up in the air for a little while too, and mm-hmm. ended up being a big deal. Right. Um, there were a lot of other contenders they were maybe going to uh to move with. Yeah. Um, critics really loved it too. So um, even though you know the band band really liked it. Sales were a little bit lukewarm in the United States, but critics loved it, um, which makes sense. It is kind of a critical darling, and a lot of them thought of it as kind of a return to form after Monster, uh, which I would agree with. Monster has its charms, but this is much more consistent and stronger, Yep, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, So let's talk about R.E.M. Around Town, uh, what they were doing uh, kind of on the heels of this after they got got back uh, from the Monster tour, um, before they started working on the kind of nascent form of Up. Uh, so Bill, Bur- Bill, Barry, uh, doubled down on his
0: farm. He solved a lot of problems with his tractor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The, um, and we'll be getting, talking about that farm here in a minute. Yeah. Um, Bill Barry's farm. I bet you nobody knows where that's at. And I hope nobody ever like goes and bothers them. No, I want them you know, just yeah. leave them alone. Let them, yeah, let, let him have his peace. Yeah. Um, our boy, uh, the, the very, very special boy, Mike Mills <laughs> got to sing the national anthem. And an Atlanta Braves game. That's so huge. Like, oh, man. Yeah, that's so good for him. Like, I'm so happy for him. Yeah. I couldn't care less about the national anthem or the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just so happy he gets to. I'm feeling true joy for the fortune of another person. Right. Um, and just worked on his golf game, like golfed. Like, he's he's very good at being a rich guy. Yeah. Like, in, you know, in, in the right way to do it, it feels like. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Michael Stipe uh, campaigned
1: for Bill Clinton. Um, and mm-hmm. also did uh, a handful of like Tibet benefit shows. By uh, this point, he was still, you know, working with Natalie Merchant. And uh, he was also getting a chance to work with Patti Smith, uh, which is, again, joy for another person. You know, yeah.
0: she was his hero. <laughs> yeah. So. And and Buck's hero. And that's going to come together in the first single from this album. Yeah. Uh, Michael Stipe uh, executive produced like his kind of first like non uh, art or non short film. Mm-hmm. His first feature length film. Uh, Velvet Goldmine, which I saw in the theater. Oh. Uh, in the uh, theater in my hometown, there's like one art theater that showed one movie like at a time for like six weeks, and okay. kind kind of slim pickens, But I saw Velvet Goldmine there, which is a fictionalized uh, biopic of a like pastiche of David Bowie and Mark Bolan and like you know a bunch of kind of 70s, mostly Bowie.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but a little like there's a little read in there. There's a little bit of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, early U.N. uh mm-hmm. film, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember liking it uh, quite a lot. It's named after a, a David Bowie B-side, mm. uh, "Velvet Goldmine," which is uh, a euphemism for a vagina, and <laughs> uh, is a really, really great B-side. Uh, mm. Bowie's got some of the best B-sides in the business. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. It sounded like a very stite project. Yeah, with yeah it's it's a little bit you know it's a little bit more like I mean it's a stite project but it's not uh, it's got a narrative and stuff. It's not mm. so explicitly experimental. Right. Right. As uh, as a lot of the stuff he does.
1: Yeah. Um, and then Peter Buck uh, doing what he always does, going around buying houses. I think he bought a house in Hawaii around this time. Um, and he also was working with other Seattle musicians. He formed the uh, the group Tuatara, uh kind of like a mm-hmm. noise uh,
0: project. Unlistenable. With- it's fine like i I don't i don't want to listen to tuatara i remember uh one of my my friend's friends trying to get me into tuatara when he found out i liked Mm rem and i was like you don't understand why i like about rem it's not literally just that peter buck's in it (laughs) like
1: yeah it's a it's a a departure for him but all you all you need to know is that uh um one of the primary uh, people in that is the drummer for the screaming trees so yeah like if 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 that if that either makes uh, brings you toward it or pushes you away from it um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Um, let's talk about, um, some of the, like the trauma of this. Um, yeah. this is, we, we alluded to this very early on, but this is actually when, uh, Jefferson Holt, uh, took off. Yeah. Um, so as far as this show goes,
1: he's been in the background, uh, for a while, you know, after they got on the road and after they started getting their deals, uh, Jefferson Holt was a big booster in the early days and helped them, you know, kind of work on the, their logistics and had these contacts, um, in IRS, um, along with, you know, uh, Bill Berry and just kind of ended up being this really charismatic face of the band, really ingratiated himself, uh, himself across the record industry. And it was really hands on because back at home base, Bernice Downs, their lawyer, uh, was kind of always watching the legal and deal side. So Holt was like down there in the ground, not really dealing with the financials or anything, but just representing R.E.M.
0: Yeah, he's their manager. You know, in, in a, a very real way and ended up on like their liar notes as a member of R.E.M. with Burtis Downs. Right. You know, it was a uh, it was a big deal. But uh, on June 21st, 1996, the L.A. Times published a story about him being ousted uh, because of a sexual harassment uh, they'd done in their HQ. Right. In, uh, in Georgia. Yeah. And uh, nobody talks about it. Nope. Um, they can't legally. Right. So there was a gag order as
1: part of the settlement. There was some investigative reporting. That drew up some details about it. Apparently there was really disparaging language and also uh, a request for sexual favors um, in exchange for professional consideration. Uh, all of that's alleged. There's no, you know, real, you know, sense of what actually happened. Yeah, well, I, I believe, you know. I believe. Um, yeah. No. No. Yeah, I, I, I believe the lady. It, you it, know, yeah, it's like, I, I'm not saying you don't. I'm oh, just saying. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's a and 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 also the fact that they that they let him go. I mean, like the, the the cause or the the effect is still the same, and it points to it points to there being um, you know, a reason for them breaking it off with him. You know. Yeah. So if, if it sounds like it being mealy mouth, it's just because like that is the official story. <laughs> you know, Burtis mm-hmm. Downs would hand out you know laminated cards with their statement, basically saying, "Yep, it's regrettable, but for any number of reasons, we cannot offer a comment."
0: Bye. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really hand them out. I think he just had one in his wallet, so we could read it. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. So it didn't get uh, didn't get uh, uh destroyed.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um. There are some people like in my in the book that I read that said, "Hey, this this was like uh, you know, it happened, but." they used it as cause to uh, get rid of Holt because he had been pretty detached and checked out uh, along the way as well. Mm. Um, So who who knows?
0: It's very hard for me to believe that REM would be like, if they loved Holt, they'd be okay with him doing any kind of sexual harassment. No, no. That's not the kind of band they are. Like there are people who would do that. And like, we see that now all the time, like people, you know, rallying around, like, you know, circle the wagons around the shitty, you know, musician or YouTuber, because they've said something or done something awful. Yeah. yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. No. Um. You know, and like politically, that's just not where they're at. Yeah. You know, it sucks they're that not. there has to be a political, a political kind of angle. But you know, this, these people going around and espousing these, you know, really compassionate causes can't then turn around and you know pay and aid and abet somebody who is victimizing their own staff. Like yeah. it's just not. It it doesn't. It it doesn't match up.
0: Yeah. It's surprising how often you see people, you know, try to, uh, try to square those circles, you know? Yeah. Nobody, like I get friends, mm-hmm. like I understand friends, like you have a friend, they did something shitty. You don't like, they're still your friend, mm-hmm. you know, but there is, there's a difference between somebody being friends with somebody and then like supporting, you know? And right. Right. You know, somebody, somebody in like, if we found out like somebody in, in our crew, like did that, like mm-hmm. I have to go, Yeah. um, you know, and that's the, the, the way it, the way you have to operate. Yeah. Um so burst downs took over as a lawyer manager some kind of hyphenated <laughs> super super being. the uh, uh which you know good for him right um he's he's a dork and he deserves all the good things that can happen to him
1: of course Yeah. yeah um and this is around the time that Scott lit uh left as well you know they just couldn't get him back in fact it was during the uh mixing of this that uh scott lit said yeah this is probably going to be the last the last album I produced because he wanted to go start his own label. Um, and also yeah. there were rumors that Scott lip was kind of, uh, uh, kind of disenchanted with them letting Jefferson, Holt, Jefferson Holt go, uh, uh you know, what, yeah. cause he was, you know,
0: attached to them in some ways. Yeah. Loyalty. Yeah. Um, so this was, uh, right around when they renegotiated their, their contract. This was the last album that was on their current, uh, contract. And yeah, yeah the first five album deal. Yeah. The first five album. And Warner really wanted to keep them. Um, because one, um, You know, it's a huge cash cow, like REM, even if they're not, weren't making the same kind of money that they maybe, maybe did like, you know, out of time and automatic were such huge hits. Yeah. You know, like they were a cash cow, but also they were in shitty, they were in shitty situation because they just merged with time. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They wanted to buy time and then time was like, you buy us, we'll buy you. And then the, the resulting company was just in massive, massive debt to the point where like the, the executives at Warner were very invested. (laughs) and making sure that they came in and that'll come to like a really like dorky and regrettable head uh later Mm. on um there were also these executive shakeups at the time like most of the people who vouched for rem and you know gave them the concessions and brought them on had ended up departing you know elsewhere uh because warner like a lot of labels was trying to get new blood into the top and shake out kind of what they consider to be these bloated dinosaurs so a lot of the executives i think two in particular ended up going over to uh Dreamworks SKG and that was yeah. considered to be uh, a, a likely uh a likely home for them in the future.
0: There were the two um it was two of their biggest executives, Shrek and Donkey. Yes. <laughs> um and then it had gone over there. Right. So the um well, like, yeah, like,
1: yeah. Like Dream Dreamworks SKG, like there there was uh, you know, they had a lot of acts that would have been like they would not have been out of place there. They would have been a really big fish in that pond, but like it, it wouldn't have been a it would have been crazy. Match. Yeah.
0: There's another like uh, David Geffen started a new record album as well or yeah. label that they were attempted by. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to say like there were several different like things they were going for, but they ended up ultimately going with Warner uh, at least in part because they offered this really really huge advance and right. a really really great rate for royalties. Yeah, like 24 um, percent. Uh,
1: like Madonna was only ever able to get uh 20 percent uh from yeah. Warner at like when she was the biggest act in the world. You know, the biggest pop yeah. star.
0: It's huge. And then higher royalties on their back catalog, which is also was continuing to sell. Right. Because they, you know, they just did this gigantic tour. Like that's, you know, again, you do tours to sell records. Yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of people were probably buying old REM records at that time.
2: Yeah.
1: And so like in total, this deal was reported to, you know, reach up to $80 million again, brought out over the next five albums, but like that was gigantic and kind of unheard of at that time when they accepted it. Um, you know, like Burtis Downs took a like took a note uh up to the executives at Warner at this big, you know, like shareholders meeting kind of thing and said, Yes, REM will continue with blah blah blah. And then like everybody, you know, started like cheering and some of them were crying, like, Oh my gosh, this saves the label.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They like literally crying. Yeah. And then those suckers got up.
2: <laughs> wah, wah.
0: Yeah, I love it. Then they got up, they got a reveal, like they got, you know. <laughs> around the sun like you guys you know (laughs) not end well for you no um you know i i I love that that happened that's funny yeah (laughs)
1: it's just weird weird timing right and like warner warner was the band like what was the party that was pushing this early like they wanted Mm -hmm. you know they were trying to do what irs did which was okay we need to lock you down before before you we run out of road essentially yeah
0: yeah yeah yep 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 yeah. Um yeah, the um I didn't get to the re- uh I've been behind in the reading because I had to restart a new book. Mm-hmm. Um you know, cuz my book ended. Um so I didn't get to this part. Talk to me a little bit about this um the fallout to REM's public image with us. It
1: was really what you would expect from a band that once had a tremendous amount of credibility, um you know, had a large number of fans who had, you know, stuck around probably from the beginning. You know, if they went through the first Warner deal and saw that as like, oh, your first one's called green, right? Because of money, et cetera. Right, Um, right, Then the second one was just kind of beyond the pale uh, for them. And it's usually what you would, it's just what you would expect, uh, you know, from any kind of artist getting paid uh, what they're worth, you know, compared to the amount of wealth that they generate, um, you know, for the people, for the people up top, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of money. And so, like, I get it. Like yeah. a little bit like, but Warner Brothers is begging to give it to them. Right. You know, it's money. And then also like they do so much. Yeah. You know, like they, they do, uh, you know, I, I, a million dollars, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Nobody needs $80 million, but, uh, at the same time, like they gave a lot back. Yeah. So, so good for them.
1: Yeah. You know? I mean, I, it's uh, like yeah. the, 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 the book, the, the, the one that you're catching up on, has like a breakdown of like exactly of exactly why that deal, uh, might not have even been enough. Um, compared mm. to, compared to actually like the water that they were pulling. So, mm. yeah. yeah. But yeah, that like, just it, like I said, it's what you would expect. Um, and you know, of course it didn't really pan out because, uh, you know, of up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because of op, which like, you know, before anybody writes in, uh, which you won't be able to because we're recording that episode right away. Like uh-huh. we both like up. Yeah. It's just, uh, it was a, a, a cha- it's a challenging album. I think is a is a good way to put it challenging yeah. album and didn't do super great right yeah yeah i think that's all the
1: story stuff i mean like i said we're gonna to get to uh barry's departure uh at the end of this after we talk
0: about the actual bless music. his heart good lord what <laughs> a fuck up what a fighter the um reform motorcycle hangar is there. um yeah we'll we'll get into the departure yeah um and then we'll get into his departure mm-hmm. yeah um yeah but we don't want to we want to end on a down note, <laughs> right. the lot of, down note. of course I don't want. To, I mean, it's better than beginning on a down note. Yeah, I mean, the down note's got to go somewhere. Yeah. Um. Let's yeah. Let's get into the album though. I'm really excited to talk about these songs. Yes. Uh. In general. So this is uh the first side is the high side. Um. I'll give you. You know. Anybody who can guess the uh the second side.
1: You know, gets, gets <laughs> you you will get a
0: dumb dumb lollipop. Yeah, you get a, a no prize, uh, and this continues the REM tradition of starting on a down note um with how the west was one and where it got us uh but this is a song i actually really like as far as rem down note starter songs yeah
1: it is really good uh yeah this kind of rules um and i I think that like it is saved from being you know a slog it's you know saved from the from 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 the drive pit remember i I really like drive Mm -hmm. um it's saved from the drive or the uh feeling gravity's pulpit because of this very strange arrangement and composition
0: I like the idea of the feeling gravity's pulpit. Like we're like, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, like yeah. did most of his finest debating or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, well, well it's a, uh, it, it is presided over by feeling gravity's pull pot. No,
0: <laughs> it wasn't that good, man. <laughs> it's really dumb, but it like feeling like the idea of like, if you divorce it from the song title, like <laughs> gravity's pull pot, like it's like, it's like a really bad poet. Like, you know, poem line um so yeah this was um like this is we, we should describe what it is right like so this is um like real kind of weird funky rhythm you know rhythmic drums mm-hmm. um a lot of weird instrumentation yeah yeah uh is in this and then uh piano to me that sounds um almost exactly like uh to, uh mike garson the guy who was uh playing piano um with david bowie at this time so like on outside and and things he had a piano player that was a very specific had a very specific style yeah and that's what this sounds like Michael's yeah. piano on this yeah well it's so repetitive too I mean it's just no 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 yeah except for the weird solos and stuff right where it, it gets really like it it kind of goes all over but the there's like um like a couple of weird breakdowns in the middle of this. Mm-hmm. That are like jazzy in a way that I'm surprised I like, like, it makes <laughs> well, no sense for me to like it because I don't like jazz. It's, it's, like, so, it's
1: so understated. And this, you know, like it, it, it gets to that thing that I love about love about drive. And then you know, it's kind of plastered all over this album where just like it swells under the surface. Like if this was right up in your face, with boom, jazz, get a bop. Like it would be mm-hmm. insufferable. But, yeah. you know, the fact that you have to, like, go and find it, and then just, like, it might sw- swell up sl- slowly and make itself apparent, and then you chase it as it goes away into something else.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, like,
1: you the, the, the entire thing is kind of presided over by, I have no idea what this instrument is, but that kind of that that whiny synth at the top of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, well, one of the things on here is, like, a, this was inspired by uh, Enrico Morricone, the, um, the Western. Oh, yeah, Enrico Morricone. Anyway, uh, and one of those is like a whistle that he uses a lot yeah. in his thing. I think that might be what you're referring to. There's a, there's like a lot of weird stuff on here, though. There's Mellotron. Um, there's a couple different different. Uh, no, the Mellotron's in uh, Evo the Letter. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of weird kind of instruments on this. Um, when they recorded it, Mike Mills and Michael Stipe played the same keyboard. Yep. Like okay. the part required, you know, help, <laughs> which like... <laughs> like.
1: Michael Stipe uh, was helping uh, Mike Mills hack.
0: I imagine he was just pressing the one key, like a drone or something, you know, to be a, to be a third hand. Yeah. Like, but, um, yeah, like the song is just very, very weird. And like, one of the things I think that rescues it from the, the feeling gravity's pull pot is that (laughs) it's like, you know, it starts off like the verses and everything are, are very like kind of low and droney. Uh, the chorus is very pretty and sounds a little bit like a hymn to me. Yeah. You know, and it does, this is, this is. Weird, dumb, like in structure, you know, inside baseball song structure stuff. But if you're gonna do a, a a four bar progression, that's three chords. The common way to do it is to have, uh you know, one chord for a measure, a second chord for a measure, and then the third chord for two measures. Yep. Kind of like um, yellow is like, do ya, mm-hmm. do ya, do ya want my love? You know, and then you stay on the love for a while. Mm-hmm. This is the opposite. It's the first chord for two measures, and then you rise out of it. Yeah. You know, so it it has this really kind of like climbing sense to the melody uh mm-hmm. at the end of the course i think is really really strong and cool
1: yeah um michael stipe's delivery on this as well like it is mm-hmm. kind of kind of sing talky a little bit it's very low you know very understated except when it's not like when he when when he breaks out of it um you know for like these mm-hmm. plaintive yells um this like that this matches the desolation of the cover um mm-hmm. this is like you know when i talk about liking dark rem you know this might as well be the poster child of it
0: yeah yeah it's very it's very like foreboding Yeah. You know, um and even just like even just the the title
3: mm-hmm.
0: of that. Like how the west was won where it got us. Like yeah. it's, it's such a like it uh it takes this heroic line and undercuts it immediately. <laughs> yep. You know, in, in a way I really really appreciate. Yeah. Um you oh, know, gosh. and and it's a uh, you know the, the lyrics on this album are going to be interesting to talk about too because in general it sounds like something written on the road, right? Like mm-hmm. not everything sounds as considered as it as it sometimes does. Mhm. You know, so here, like, there are lots of really good turns of phrase. Yeah. It doesn't cohese, you know, uh, as well as maybe it could. Right. But there are little snippets, and I think it's really carried by the delivery and and kind of elevates that a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, he can say something like, you know, I I didn't wear my glasses because I thought it might rain, and now I can't see anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's, you're not in a place in the song. Like, this is kind of abstract. Yeah, yeah. Things, but it's like, it ends up having kind of being a powerful line because of the delivery and the context around it. Yeah. A mark and a mark where my tears run dry at the crossing of the blessed yeah. alkaline. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really, really good. And that ah, like so, the chorus of this, you know, like ah! it's he he just does that. Like it's not exactly out of key. He's just not kind of not singing it. You you expect it to like uh, raise or lower
1: right like yeah. like an ah would be you know can continue with that m kind of thing like you know you, you expect it to you know hit like a third or a fifth right mm. but no it just it's kind of atonal in the way it stands still
0: yeah <laughs> i I really like it yeah. you know this kind of like break from you know this in, in intentional dissonance in the middle of this like this is one of my favorite opening tracks like that the band has done yeah you know, and it, it's so weird because it is kind of a downer. And there are two songs. I think this is really of a piece with Ebo the Letter, which I like even more. Like, I love mm-hmm. Ebo the Letter. Yeah. Um, but this is, it's just kind of showing like we're in for good shit.
2: Yeah.
0: For the most part. Um, this was a single. Uh, it wasn't the first single. They they released both of their like drony drone-y downbeat numbers as singles. Yeah. And not the song they pr- they didn't release as a single, the song they promoted on the MTV Music Awards that right. like is so obviously a single. So mm-hmm. good, you know, good job, R.E.M., I guess. <laughs> yep. You really showed them. No. but uh because it is a single there is a video
1: yes uh, right um yeah. and this was shot i think at the same time not as the bitter bittersweet me one but um some of the elements of "Ebo the letter like mm-hmm. during that week when they were uh in la doing promotion for this they just kind of did some performances and had cameras around
0: yeah 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 um yeah it, it's kind of you know they end up on part of it they're on this billboard and then uh the other on behind the billboard it just says available right which like i like that as a blank <laughs> billboard.
1: <laughs> yeah Yep. And uh, the, it ends with them kind of covering it up with yellow paint and throwing leaves on it, like it's very, very arty. Like this is kind of a return to where where they were at with videos in the mid eighties, the mid and late eighties, mm-hmm. um, in terms of cutting to some random imagery. Um, I love that they have a little squirrel friend on stage. Yeah, yeah. I like that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, in general, you know, real good. Yeah, this is this is <laughs> great. Um, and you're going to get like some, some whiplash going from this to the next song. And then some whiplash going from the next song to the one after that. Like this whole first half is kind of like yanking you back and forth on a
0: toggle, which which I love. Like, again, I don't want to get bored. Like this is, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a, that's good album structure to me. Yeah. Um, so the second, second song is the wake up bomb, um, which as I mentioned, they, uh, performed when they were touring for monster, as opposed to coming out and doing what's the frequency Kenneth. Um, they did this, uh, during the video awards because this was written on tour and this sounds like a a, a monster like this sounds like a monster song yeah to this me. is a
1: monster ass song
0: yeah um, um so but that's... not like it like what's the frequency kenneth monster not uh king of comedy <laughs> right yeah. droney experimental nightmare monster right
1: right like yeah. the, the, this feels like it, it like you know um and content extends from something like crush with eyeliner you know because it is like yeah. a little bit of like a like a swaggering rems version of a brag track almost
0: yeah 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 um yeah and the the lyrics here again are, are pretty vapid
1: yeah like it's, I, it's I, a, I kind of hate the verses in this
0: i don't think they've aged super great i don't i don't hate the song but it kind of becomes yeah. noise to me like it becomes just a, you know there are individual lines in the verses i kind of like i get high on know? my
1: low ass bootcut cut jean I don't like that, but I like
0: I love like just a declarative state like I had to write the great American novel uh-huh. as like a declarative statement like I like that a lot like yeah. using those kind of uh, those kind of that kind of terminology I think is really good mm-hmm. and I think the way this opens with just the vocal is actually really strong too yeah yeah you know again it doesn't it's not necessarily what he's saying it's just kind of the delivery mm-hmm. um, of this and uh, the ver- the choruses and kind of pre-choruses are great oh it's so good uh, yeah like <laughs> this is, there's a quote from Buck in, in one of the books I have where he says like if we had written this at the time monster had come up, this would have have (laughs) maybe three or four monsters songs off the the album. Yep. And like, fuck yeah, it would have, you know, like this is, this is what I wanted more of for monster was like another, what's the frequency kenneth
1: right right you know yeah i i think that i might take like less exception with this if it was on monster and if it felt more of a piece like in general this entire album when they were promoting this you know michael's type was coming out saying like yep that's another song about death and anxiety or another album about, about death and anxiety and that's true to a certain extent like the entire album has this um you know for large parts of it this kind of more somber tone to it this doesn't feel like it fits in um, aside from mm-hmm. the fact that like they wrote it while in support of monster and it might have been too good for them to like leave off or ignore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like it it's a, uh, it works for me because I value that variety so much. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't really want something to sound of a piece. Like that's not, that's not like an album value. I have too much.
1: Yeah. And um, I have it a little bit more than you, but yeah, the, the, the pre-chorus I, for this and like the chorus itself is really, really good. Like the organ is the thing that ties this entire song together for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, this doesn't sound that much different or this much uh, doesn't stand out that much more to me than say, like, fat, so fast no, not. So numb. yeah, which is another song that I like, like, yeah. and that's that's also another big kind of like rock song. This is poppier. Yeah, but they're both like, you yeah. know, kind of heavier rock songs. It, it, it,
1: it might it might just be because this is a song talking about how sexy and great you are.
0: Yeah. yeah the lyrical content like it like you know and a lot of that stuff fades for me yeah yeah you know like i, know. I end up liking the song a lot but i have to kind of ignore that
1: yeah and for and for, and for me it uh it, it it sticks out although i do Hard yeah i I do i do like the idea of practicing your t-rex moves
0: yeah yeah listen to queen like it's it's very like you know like if they weren't delivered this way it wouldn't sound braggy right it's the swagger deliver mm-hmm. you know i look good you know it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's been uh, long <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> week since the glass pack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um yeah, there there's there is like there's some like I had to knock a few buildings over. Like there's some obnoxious ono- shit in the yeah. lyrics, so I'll give you that. Yeah. Um I just like for because it does sound like a monster song to me, and because I don't like monster very much, like mm-hmm. a good monster song I would take here rather than like you know, I guess a bad one, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's, it's uh...
1: a, <laughs> I'd rather be rich than stupid. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's a, uh... and it also comes from that kind of mining for singles mm-hmm. thing. Like only really for the show, do I listen to REM albums? Like as an album, really? Right. Right. Ordinarily I just take songs I like. And when I just look at all the REM songs, I see that sometimes I feel like listen to it. Cause yeah, it's got a good chorus. Um, I love uh, the next song though as well. Like this, this whole first side is great. Yeah. Um, I think I think this is this is up there with their first sides um, leave. I, you know, I have some problems with, but the um, leave, you know, is still good. And then the second side gets a little bit more uneven, which is an REM trope. Right, right. But this uh, new Tesla is great. Yeah. New Tesla um, is very good. I think it sounds a little bit dated Um, in the acoustic guitar, like the way it was
1: mic'd or recorded. There's something about the effect that makes it sound a little bit Alanis Morissetti to me.
0: It's a um, it's a well, in the, during the chorus, it's a uh, during the verse. It just sounds I think you're right. Like it's just kind of the way that it's. Uh, Mike, the specific song they get sound they get during the uh the chorus is a leslie rotating speaker yeah um which i remember uh in my band days um tearing apart an organ Mm -hmm. to get this out to use it oh i mean they're they're, they're so attractive yeah (laughs) like Like, i love those things yeah
2: um
0: yeah i mean the like the production on this is not my favorite thing in the world right i think melodically and song wise though it's really strong yeah um like i like the lyrics a lot like I don't know. I actually like the lyrics of this quite a bit. No, I
1: I, I think they're a little trite, (laughs) but
0: if you you don't think of it in terms of like, so like, if you don't think of it in terms of it literally being a story about somebody on a talk show, Mm -hmm. which I, he talks about a little bit, but if you, and I know that's what it's about because he said it, Mm -hmm. but the idea of like, there's a lyric in here where he's like, um, you know, I thought I could, I could teach them what an ugly thing to think or Mm -hmm. what an ugly thing to say, you know, like I, I relate to that as like, you know, if you took it, if you, look at the character this is from the perspective of and look at the words or like the perspective of that character rather than it, the story of them. It's something I relate to, yeah, which is yeah. this idea of like, you know, we, the very beginning, like, you know, I can't say that I love Jesus. Like, you know, that would be bad, but there's some things I respect about, yeah. you know, about that, which is something I relate to. And then like, I thought I could like tell these people, but that's an ugly thing to think. Like it makes, mm-hmm. it resonates with me. In terms of oh, really? you know, like about to uh, an wanting, wanting to be understood, wanting to be understood and not want to be an asshole, asshole atheist, right? You know, like I don't want to like the idea that I need to teach these people mm-hmm. this is an ugly thing that I should not do, right? Right. Uh, you no, know, and I get I get shades of that from the the lyrics here,
1: yeah. Um, it might just be the opening, the opening verse or the opening lines that, uh, that, that mess with me because like, oh, I, I don't, I don't love Jesus, but he had some good things to say that to me, I, I can never look past that. And, uh, I can never look at that and not think of like the college freshman kind of like read on that mm. is my, uh, is, is my thing. It feels, uh, it feels like a very
0: shallow read of that for, 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 for me personally. Yeah, I don't I – don't, I think that's, like, a real, like – because what's the, what's the alternative to it? I don't know. You know? Like, because it, it's either – you either, like, go go whole hog into it, mm-hmm. you know, which is fine. Like, all these things are fine.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, or you're like, I I don't – I'm not religious. Also, all that stuff about peace and love and brotherhood is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely
2: not. You know, that's, that's nonsense, not, yeah. too.
0: Like, yeah. the idea – like, the – it's very resonant to me, the idea that, like, Judeo-Christian values are very good while Christianity is not. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, which is a thing that I feel – all More or less how I feel about yeah. it. And yeah, I'm I'm I'm
1: I'm right there with you. There's just yeah. maybe something like in general, I like the very earnest delivery on on this. I think like if I if, if I can pull the Gary trick and fuzz over and, and 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 fuzz over the lyrical content, this is actually a really good song. The like the the chorus is nice and catchy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that you know for as dated as the production kind of sound is, um, that Mellotron, not Mellotron, the 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 rotating organ, uh, you know, on the on the lead. Uh, a guitar over, uh, you know, over certain parts of it is really good. It's it's just that lyrical lyrical content that gets in the way for me. Mm. Yeah,
0: I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. I like it. Yeah. Um, and the little the little pre-chorus climb that do comes do up, do, 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 that's really that's yeah. very appealing to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think the song is is really really catchy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think I think this is a for me this is a very good one. Mm-hmm. Um. The, uh, and written from this perspective of somebody who uh was on a talk show it's like very literal what it's actually about so Mm -hmm. a lot of the meaning i'm deriving from it is me doing the work yeah
1: well so like the 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 the, the actual the 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 real story of this was person was on a talk show kind of like trying to express a nuanced take and you know on 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 something i have no idea what the what the actual show might have been like talking about jesus um yeah (laughs) um and the, the audience was having none of it. And like, yeah. Michael Stabless... And he
0: got cut off and there were commercials. Like he, he couldn't express himself. Right. Right. You know, with this, this nuanced take. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think that's a cool thing to write a song about. Mm-hmm. Like maybe, I mean, what you're, what you're picking up on, I would agree that like, it's maybe a little too literal in the first verse, mm-hmm. you know, but it is a, I think that's a cool thing to write a song about and something I relate to in general. Yeah. Um, we I mean, have fourth track on this is undertow. Uh, this is a song that they played a lot during the monster tour. This is one of the early like songs that came out early.
1: Yeah. Like they played uh, it every day for months.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And this is a, uh, another kind of low growly song, mm-hmm. like really menacing, uh, in the beginning and then explodes into a, a really huge, huge chorus mm-hmm. here.
1: Yeah. Um, I really love the, uh, the, 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 chorus, like when he breaks out into his kind of soul voice, Making that mm-hmm. really like, uh, uh, what is it,
0: uh, plaintive claim. Like, oh, this is not for me. You mm-hmm. know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that the just like, you know, I'm drowning. You know, and it's just this huge soaring and like big, big, big Mike Mills backing vocals mm-hmm. uh, in this. And it just, it sounds really good. This is something where I don't, I don't end up listening to the lyrics of this very much. Right, right. You know, like, because um, again, as we talked about the lyrics of this feel like lyrics that are written on the road a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, like maybe a little bit, a little bit underbaked. Yeah. Um,
1: and, and, and weirdly, so I, you know, I'll eat a a little bit of crow and say I'm being inconsistent here. I love the, uh, I I love the, uh, end of the third verse. I don't need a heaven. I don't need religion. I'm in the place where I should be like that mm -hmm. to me feels genuine. I don't know if it's it's (laughs) because of the,
0: (laughs) I have no idea. It it literally might just be the delivery. I don't, I don't know. To me, the delivery in that, like, I like that line too. Uh And I'm not like trying to fight our Bakuman. Yeah. Right. But then, then just like the, to me, that delivery of that line is less like, is a little bit more college. Like it sounds like somebody being like, a, it sounds like a pulpit kind of line. Yeah. Or like a beat poetry. Like I'm, you know, getting, getting people, like I'm giving a speech to me. Yeah. You know, like it, it's less, a little bit less removed. Yeah. And, you know, so maybe I, I misapplied uh, what, uh, uh, yeah. Anywho, it's, um, <laughs> you know, I, I also like that lyric. Um, it's kind of weird to put these back to back because it really seems like it's the weird religion suite. sweet. Yeah. And, it's you
2: know?
1: you know, when you when you read the books about this, they were pretty defensive about it. I don't know if they actually got any heat, you know, for saying, like, basically, we have no we, we have no need for organized religion, which it's weird to think of. But like, even in the mid 90s, that might have been a pretty a pretty controversial thing to say, especially for one of the biggest rock bands in the world. Um, you know, and their kind of defense was, yeah, it's a song about, you know, like we're, we're expressing doubt here, but we're not up there ripping pictures of the Pope apart on television.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Take, put the heat on Sinead O'Connor. Yeah. (laughs) Like not
2: us,
0: (laughs) you know? Right. How, how amazing is it to think of the the Pope having that kind of relevance? (laughs) You know, like it's so weird because now like the Pope can be like, yeah, Donald Trump is bad. And the religious, like right in this country, doesn't give a shit. Right. Right. You know, like they, they don't actually care about what the Pope thinks. Right. The Pope is no longer, their like, you know, their leader. It's such a weird thing. Like I'm yeah. sure like I'm not, that's not true writ large, but right, right. it's amazing to think that that would have been such a shocking thing. Right. You know? Yeah. That,
1: I, you know, you, you can, you can toss out whoever, uh, whoever doesn't agree with you, you
0: know, and that, that could even include the Pope. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. uh yeah. But I, I like undertow. I always forget that I like it until it gets to that chorus. Yeah. You know, because the, the verses are pretty, pretty stolid. Mm-hmm. But I think the chorus really redeems it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um. So, Ebo the Letter. This is the first single uh, from the record, which the band insisted on.
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> Pretty much from the stance of, I think we've earned the right to put out something challenging as our first single.
0: Yeah. Uh, which we keep doing. Yeah. <laughs> we've earned the right to continue doing this for the rest of our lives. Um. And also, they were just so jazzed because they worked with Patty Smith on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she did um backing vocals
1: for this and you know, she picks up for some of the bridges um as well. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about it before, even earlier in this episode. Patty Smith huge influence on Michael Stipe. He says he, Peter he, Buck. Yeah, yeah, Sam Peter Buck, but like Stipe in particular says he owes pretty much all of his like performance style to obsessing about the way she presented herself on stage.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And even they even said like early on when they were covering um Uh, So you want to be a rock and roll star and Gloria and the like. Um, They were really just covering uh, Patti Smith's covers Mm -hmm. of them. uh, One of my first girlfriends, my second girlfriend uh, ever, uh, was really into Patti Smith. And uh, she had to um, uh, uh, be on the lookout because there's also Patti Smythe Mm. with a Y who's like the evil Smith? like if you're like trying to buy you'd say like i really like really Petty Smith, and your mom would get you Petty Smith. oh no yeah. uh, you know it's like it's way worse yeah it's a grandma trap <laughs> yeah totally it's like, like uh my friend eric I, i've said this before we got the reo speed wagon uh cd because his mom knew he liked rem oh no and <laughs> <laughs> yep got got on the wagon um yeah <laughs> uh, i like the song a whole lot even though again it does things that like Gary generally doesn't like, but I like it for very similar reasons to how the West was one and where it got us, Mm -hmm. where it starts with this kind of drone, you know, two chords, like most boring intro in the world. (laughs) You know, it, it sucks. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Oh man, I like it.
0: Like the two, like, I like that when he's singing over it Yeah. on its own, I think it's extremely bland. Yeah. Like as an intro, like this is weird to me.
1: Yeah, I think uh I think that as like the, the like the texture, um, it actually draws a lot out of it. Those two those two elements working against each other. Um really
0: they I think they, they set each other off. Yeah, I don't know. Like well, they never do it again either though. Like it happens during the like even it doesn't even really happen during the the uh verses. Mm-hmm. Cause when the verses come in, he starts coming in with the uh the more complicated guitar line over it. Yeah. So it's still doing that, but a guitar like a, me- a melody is just added to it. I guess is the yeah, point. Yeah. Um, you know, even when he's not singing to it, like the because uh, uh, Peter Buck is using a an ebow, which is a thing that lets, uh, creates a guitar sound. It essentially vibrates a string. Mm-hmm. It's um it's like a little electromagnetic. Mel- yeah, yeah, a little electromagnetic thing. So you don't actually hit the hear the string hit, mm-hmm. uh, and it will sustain infinitely. So it makes a, a guitar sound like a stringed instrument. It is a, literally an electronic bow.
2: Right, right.
0: That's how it got the name.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and of course, that is like one of those facts that comes out is just the doki-doki fact. Um, yeah. Like, oh, losing my religion doesn't mean what you think it means. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, lyrically, um, and kind of uh, in, in, in some of the uh, lyrical presentation, or vocal presentation, this is pretty similar to something like uh, country feedback. This is what they call <laughs> like a Michael Stipe vomit song.
3: Um, yeah.
1: You know, where... You know, you look at the verses, and they're spread out like this. These are long, complex sentences that are dense and rich with imagery, and delivered with uh, what I would call venom. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, it's you know, a little bit. Uh, it, it's definitely spiteful, and it was a letter he never sent, right? Uh, that that he wrote on the tour bus. Mm-hmm. That, that this comes from. Um, you know, so the verses, like it does, have this kind of speak sing element to it as well um with the this uh this like really good imagery like kind of elevated imagery for this album mm-hmm. uh you know all of these uh uh these these you know these corrosives do their magic slowly and sweetly like all these like real kind of like venomous things and then uh this little precursor this little you know aluminum tastes like fear over uh patty smith's like really haunting vocals yeah and it, it kind of becomes that's you know where that that chord progression from the beginning comes in but it's more uh yeah, like it's a little bit. It's it's more melodically. Yeah, and it pops uh, off
1: because of the uh, because of the addition of the banjo at that point as well.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Which makes it. I mean, it's a band What a fucking silly instrument. But like the <laughs> all the instruments on this thing work really well. Yeah. Well, it
1: just makes it sound more spacious. Uh, is, yeah, is the thing because of the way a banjo resonates. You know, it does. Yeah. It does sound hollow, but like on that texture bed, it really does like set it off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I love that line. Aluminum tastes like fear. And uh, one of yeah, the books yeah, I read, yeah. the, uh, the Inside Out, they were making this huge deal. Like, oh, that's a nonsense. That's a nonsense lyric. He's just being provocative. Like, no, if you've ever been really terrified, your mouth gets dry
0: and you taste metal. Like, yeah. 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 And, and it, the the funny quote in there is like Peter Buck is saying that. Like, he's like, yeah, it's actually true. Does Michael know that? Probably not. <laughs> he's talking <laughs> about like, yeah, one of the
1: byproducts of adrenaline uh,
0: metabolism is adrenochrome. It's like, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, very, very funny. Um, the, uh, the just kind of reaction to it. Cause like, I think that's also something that I don't know if this is totally true, but I feel like I've, I've, I learned that from this song hmm. that that adrenaline thing. Cause I've I don't know if I've been scared enough to taste adrenaline. I know yeah. I, I You know, live a, a blessed life. I don't get scared very often. Yeah. Um, as a, as a person with a panic disorder. Yeah. It's totally true. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the song is really strong. Um, hey Smith is a great, vocalist their voices interchange really really well yeah um you know there's a part where the uh the third verse where everything drops out except for the uh the ebo and and the bass i think Mm -hmm. uh before it comes back in that's just really sublime like really pretty yeah um yeah like really beautiful song
1: yeah like this is an incredibly beautiful song that also happens to be like desolate and hateful um yeah yeah it's great
0: like a mean breakup breakup song kind of you know sounding like it is a uh, it is definitely about the relationship between two people mm-hmm. in, a, in a nasty way um this ends with a real again like that kind of super fast gear shift <laughs> uh, that comes in here with leave, but they actually they they ease us into it yeah um so I guess it's not a super fast gear shift mm-hmm. um but there's a little instrumental version of leave which is the the longest r e m song right um starts with an instrumental kind of string version of the melody we're going to be dealing with in the actual song
1: yeah uh, it has like the acoustic uh the the acoustic lead melody um and it is just very very soft and i think uh, cinematic would be yeah. uh, would be the word i would use
0: for it and then when it comes in it comes in with a siren sound um that was inspired by public enemy mm-hmm. um, who did a lot of this kind of thing and what it is is holding down a synth note and then doing the octave yeah, it's going up and down between fifths. Wow wow wow, 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 But like way faster than that. But that's what, yeah, that's what it's doing. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. Like it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's on, it's on beat, and it's like I know exactly when they're talking about it in the thing, like how. uh, December couldn't do it for more than one take in a row because it wore out his hand. <laughs>
1: right, like, It's a, it's a terrible it's, strain on the animator's wrists.
0: Absolutely, like as like I've had synthesizers that would make this. Mm-hmm. You know, like most of the keyboards I've had could do were capable of this. Mm-hmm. Um, it fits in really well in what oh, I yeah. think. Without this, this might be like one of the the most strongest examples of like a single element holding together a song. Because hmm. it's like it's a good song. I love it. But it's it, so good. <laughs> I I think that it's it's. A little too like, so the lyrics are really empty. Mm-hmm. Like the lyrics are all just look like a bunch of, they, they look like, like if you put a quarter in a machine that spit out lyrics to me, mm. like there's nothing personal, there's no relevant detail, there's no imagery. Like, it's just like, you know, like I got, let's, that's what keeps me there. Like, or like, you know, it, that's why it's, it's very like generic. I think, mm. um, the, the melody is strong, but it's so slow. And I think the reason why the keyboard thing is it gives us a sense of like pace to it,
1: yeah, because like that you they, need for
0: a seven minute fucking song you
1: you, you you certainly do the fact that it's there and consistent, it provides this constant reference point for what is actually changing around it because yeah. it does you know blend in, and like they they, they they're they're pretty uh, clever about when they cut that out. And when they bring it back in, like there's one particular point where it's conspicuous by its absence. And then when it, when they, and, when, and when the they start it break. back up, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then when they start it back up, it comes out with just this kind of renewed fury behind it.
0: And, and you, uh, you forget about it. Yeah. Like it fades into the background and then it leaves and comes back stronger. And when I say it makes the song, like, I like this song a lot. Yeah. Like, I think this is really good, but I think without that, that element is kind of like, no, it's not noise, but like, you know, non-melodic. Mm-hmm. Like it's in key. I don't know how to describe it. Like a non-melodic yeah. percussive element, almost. Yeah. It would just be a little too ponderous, you know, mm-hmm. with with how it is. Like this is. I think I actually think this is some of the worst lyrics they've done. Um, oh. like looking at a list of this, this is just it's 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 empty, hmm. empty, empty, empty. There's no yeah. there's no relative
1: it's, detail in this. Like it's 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 all carried by the de- by the delivery for me. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. This it's a good performance. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like man. But man, how like. Where is the road I follow? Like, you know, I don't know the road is under my feet. The scene spread out before me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, but what is in that scene? You know, like what is it just, it feels like really empty. Yeah. Like brackets from which. Uh, detail should be within. Yeah.
1: You know. I I could see that. Yeah, we're we're changing places a lot here. Yeah, <laughs> because because, uh, because I really I really do value New adventures in
0: file underwater. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I really I really do value, you know, lyrical specificity in setting a scene. This to me just kind of reads entirely as a mood piece. And, yeah. you know, like, I, th- I think that like the prime, you know, the primary expression that happens, you know, is, you know, in the instrumental, I love the, like, to to me, it is less about the specifics of what is being invoked, you know, in the choruses, which are just, you know, like, this is just a song about like, yeah, uh, gonna gonna be leaving home. Um, And it's more about just kind of like calling to mind specific scenes of like, driving along uh, a highway, like in the late days of fall, or something like that, like, that is what this feels to me, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it calls up some very specific emotions, and I think that like it it doesn't flag in the entire seven minutes. This does not feel like a seven minute song to me.
0: It, it really doesn't, and part of that's a really long intro too. Yeah, you know that like almost doesn't count towards it, like in a weird way. Like it, it takes that break, but it doesn't feel like seven minutes. Like I like the song too, mm-hmm. you know, and I also when I listen to it, I I the lyrics fade out, it just becomes a vocal instrument, and the the vocal performance is very strong. Yeah. Those are all things that, like I definitely agree with. Mm-hmm. I just think when I was looking at the lyrics because of the show, essentially, mm-hmm. I was kind of amazed by how how kind of weak I think they are. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, the performance is good and I don't mind being direct, but this is it's not uh, there's just nothing in it. Yeah. You know,
1: um, I love the line. Uh, I temper I temper madness with an even extreme.
0: Yeah, I and mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty rare when things like that come into this though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's a, uh, there are a couple of those. There's also like at the end, there's a, a, like midnight hands. My eyes are still, you know, that's like a good, that's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. You know, that's specific. Yeah. But like, I lost myself in sorrow. I lost myself in pain. Like there's just yeah. a lot of like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> you know, well, okay, what, what other, boss?
1: what other Metal Gear Solid 3 bosses can you name, Michael? <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Like we I was, I was born on a battlefield, um, you know, it's just a, yeah, but just like that's what keeps me down. Like it just—it's very like, what keeps you down? You know, I don't know. There's a lot of little questions that I don't know what he's referring to yeah. because he doesn't—he doesn't tell me. Um, this was um, this was when I made mixtapes for people. Um, I would cut out the intro of this, and put this at the end of like songs that you know were kind of slower. Hmm. So I would use the just like, you know, as like a wake up thing. <laughs> nice. Uh, at the as, uh, at as the a end kind of a, wake up bomb. As a as a alternative wake up bomb. Um yeah, I, I really love I like the song quite a bit as yeah. well. Um yeah. It's good. It's good. It's real good. Um very, very solid to me, uh like very, very solid A side. Yeah. B side is where it stumbles a little bit for me, uh, yeah. which we'll get into right now. Right now, uh, with, after with the far side. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, we'll be right back. We'll take some calls. <laughs>
1: um so weirdly on the second side they decided to change all of their guitar amps over
0: to boston setting yeah like they, how uh, much well, this is where the live songs are yeah so like this uh departure and binky the Voort doormat and so fast so, so uh numb all to me sound like and be mine actually all sound mm-hmm. like live recordings they overdubbed yeah it's weird that they like kind of segregated those to this side because like i think there's some live stuff on the first side but like
2: yeah, like like.
0: Wake Up Bomb and Undertow
1: stand out as like, yes, these are, you know, they, uh, it's a sore thumb. These were yeah. on a stage before anybody got there. Yeah, this is very, very condensed.
0: Yeah. I, I would have liked to have seen them actually distribute that more if they were yeah, going th- to I go into just be...
1: like whiplash
2: mode.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I would be okay with that, too, because I like the or just have kind of more crazy variety on the second side, too, and have the everything kind of be that quite that uh, schizophrenic. Mm hmm um this starts out with departure um which is uh very very clearly live yeah and i think like i like the song i think it's a little bit underbaked you know um the real like the lyrics are very like it's literally michael stipe wrote this uh (laughs) flying into singapore and he sees a storm um everyone else was asleep he looks down and sees a storm and then he writes a song about going to uh singapore where he just like does some rhyming dictionary shit right right like there's a part he name checks um like a rolling stone political writer um named uh william greiger and somebody asked him like why why him you know and he's like well it rhymed with spider and like, the other <laughs> word
1: like, you literally... should consider it an honor i
0: think yeah yeah that's what he said he, he's considered an honor but it rhymes with spider and uh the other lyric hang <laughs> right. glider right. It's, it is it is vapid yeah like this is this is vapid yeah and it's
1: delivered at a fast enough pace that they're hoping he's hoping you don't notice
0: <laughs> well it, it reminds me like some of the the lyric delivers it makes me think of um of Robert Pollard a little bit mm-hmm. that whole like, you know, what a fuck up. What a, like what a fuck up. What a fighter is a real like Robert Pollard <laughs> salute to one of his drunk friends kind yeah, of song. Yeah. Eric's, um, and then, but the, the reason why I like the song is that the chorus has this like big, beautiful harmony and mm-hmm. it's just like this huge soaring, like, yeah, it's you know, so REM out chorus. of
1: place <laughs> like yeah. compared to the, compared to what happens in the verse. So this is the verse of a B side and like the chorus of any, you know, like some of the strongest stuff they've done in years in terms of, uh, vocal harmony.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, And just that, that, you know, and big, big, big on Mike Mills, mm-hmm. you know, um, just that, that, you know, you know. Erica, the carrier wave, you know, that whole, like, and then, uh, him just kind of like, uh, during the verses, the descending backing vocal, he does. Mm-hmm. And then when he goes up to the higher, like harmony that I don't think you should be able to reach. Right. You know, um, I'm always surprised when he, instead of repeating the, uh, the descending three note line, he goes up to the higher note Yeah, there. It always sounds good.
1: Yeah. He did. He took, he took the harder path to, to land that yeah. plane. Yeah. yeah um what i love at the beginning of verse two uh the the line departure godspeed bless his heart good lord what a fuck up what a fighter um you know like like that lands in particular because bless his heart is southern for fuck you yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) like if you ever hear somebody say bless his heart that is the meanest possible thing somebody from the south can say
0: other than saying they're a freeform helicopter hang glider and one a <laughs> review from William Greiger and they hung on a line like a poison spider. Yeah. That those are all, the further south you go, the more lyrics of departure you get to. To, to, be, to be a fuck you. Until eventually it's just Mike Mills going up to you at the South Pole going, you're the carrier wave. Just like, oh shit. Like Mike Mills is going to shoot me in the snow. <laughs> oh, god, I'm going to die like Rorschach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, do it. I did seventeen <laughs> minutes ago. <huh? laughs> I'm a Superman.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> It's but, like well, this this is this is still good though. Yeah, I have some I have some really mixed feelings about departure, but yeah, uh, but yeah, it's still like the, the that chorus again saves it. Like, and that is that's kind of been the story for a bunch of these songs so far is like one particular element that is the linchpin across
0: these couple things that are kind of take or leave for me. Yeah, but which I think like improves them though. It becomes more than the sum of its parts. Oh, of course, yeah. Because I mean, you know, like it's like maybe the thing wouldn't be good. Like this would not be a good song without the chorus. Right, right. With the chorus, though, the verses make sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and end up being good. Yeah. Um, the second single, uh, on this album is this, uh, is bittersweet me, mm-hmm. um, which is I, uh, another, like, this is, I think the most REM ass REM song.
1: It definitely is, you know, it's that mid tempo minor, um, yep. kind of thing feels, feels like very similar to Cuyahoga to me,
2: actually. Mm. <laughs> um,
1: it just, there, there, there's something about the way the baseline interacts. Um, but, uh, like it plays more straightforward because Cuyahoga has these, has these movements, uh, to it. Whereas <laughs> this one. This one does not. Uh,
0: yeah. Shadow. They, kind of, they kind of got out of doing that. Yeah. You know, the like we need to make every song have seventeen different, barely different parts. Yeah. It's not really an R.E.M. thing anymore.
1: Shout out to Cuyahoga. I'm currently drinking a, a, a Great Lakes beer uh, called Burning River. It's from oh, up in Cleveland. Go. Yeah. So reference in the Cuyahoga. Yeah.
0: There you go. Hmm. Um. Yeah. I like uh, I like Bittersweet Me quite a bit. Um, good. I think that the, the pre-chorus that like I'd sooner chew my leg off mm-hmm. and then again, Millsy in the background, <laughs> a really soaring, you know, uh, kind of chorus. And then they do uh, during the actual ver- uh, chorus part. That's the pre-chorus. They do something they haven't done uh, in a long time or very much at all, which is have a uh, a vert or a riff based uh-huh. chorus. Yeah,
1: it's really out of place, but I like it.
0: Me too. Yeah um it becomes like the vocals become more percu- percussive mm-hmm. you know and it becomes less about a chord progression and more about this real crunchy dar, 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 you know this like yeah. little riff thing that i think is, yep. is is pretty strong it changes key just slightly
1: too yeah um and the tone changes entirely like this is the, the, the entire body of the song is mostly very very pretty arpeggiation and then it breaks a little bit into boston town um mm-hmm. but uh, the fact that they get they, they get into that weird like f minor 7th um, yeah that just like builds that tension very briefly and then releases it. Um, it is a really good
0: choice. Yeah. It's really cleverly constructed. Yeah. Um, I think I like this song quite a bit. Um, there were, there were times in my life and this is not true now, obviously when this was my favorite REM song, actually, mm-hmm. like when I was young, like when I was really obsessed with this album. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's very good. And I think this is also, it has a little bit of that, um, condemnation, like venom yeah. in, in the lyrics, you know, and, and like, the the titular line when he when he says better you know how uh god what did i i should pull up the lyrics yeah so i know it. um vamp for like two seconds
1: yeah yeah i'd sooner chin my leg off than be trapped in this how easy you think of all this as better there sweet we go. me
0: yeah that that line i love yeah. like how easy you know how easy you think of this as just like because it's like a dismissal right mm-hmm. like how easy it is for you just to think of this like oh this is just take the good with the bad like mm-hmm. that's Michael. <laughs> you know, and that's like such a like a shitty thing to do to somebody and to have it called out uh-huh. specifically is really cool.
1: Yeah. Well, I, mean, I love the chorus to it. I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't mean for this to, just to be like the beat readings of R.E.M. lyrics, yeah. but um, <laughs> uh, I couldn't taste it. I'm tired to naked. I don't know what I'm hungry for. I don't what I want. I, I don't know what I want anymore. Like, yeah, an angry song will get you, uh, you know, partway there. But a song about not being able to feel anything anymore. Um yeah. that is always going to feel uh, much more resonant for me
0: yeah 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 um yeah it's extremely good yeah yeah great 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 uh great song great single would have been a better lead-off single i think i think so too um, or, or yeah. wake up bomb would have been too like especially like wake up bomb charted mm-hmm. like they didn't release it and it's like their non-charting single yeah. from this album yeah like
1: they could have they could have led with that like blown it out said hey rem's back baby um this yeah. is like this is like monster but better um yeah. and then follow up with bittersweet me which is like this is the rem you remember yeah. um you know, I would never, I would never want to lose Ebo or how the, how the West has won as a single though. Like that is a brave choice. I just don't know if it is the right choice for the opener.
0: Not as the, opener, the opening signal. Uh, yes. single. Yeah. yeah. It, it was a non-commercial choice and it would have been, you know, cause they want people to to get into the band. It's not like they wouldn't end up listening to those songs right. by the album. Cause they love the, uh, cause they love the sweet, sweet sounds of bittersweet me. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the next song here's a, here's a mills joint. Yep. Our, our boy wrote this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, be mine, be mine. Um, Gary, I don't care for this song. I I don't mind it. Oh. Um, but I I don't. I mean, it's not. It's kind of middle of the road for me. Mm. Um, on this album. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's uh it, it would be my least favorite song if not for two, which we're gonna get to. <laughs> um. So. Yeah. You know. Um. So yes, this is pretty
1: simple and saccharine, and that's um almost literally uh for cause because they the idea was to write it around uh the words that you would find on valentine's candy and they broke yeah. away from that but that is still that is still very much present
0: yeah and it's a, a bunch of very simple like kind of declarative statements i you want know, to the, be like,
1: your easter bunny i want to be your christmas tree
0: yeah yeah the um you know which is like you know i don't like that but i like that i'll I'll ply the tar out of your feathers like Mm-hmm. that's like a nice like sentiment it's just kind of an aggregate mm-hmm. you know it maybe goes a little bit far and this is this is mike mills's kind of thing mm-hmm. like when mike mills writes a song like i think that they worked on it together but it's not like uh don't go back to rockville which i love like i'm yeah. not saying it's bad but it's not like those lyrics are like specifically sophisticated
2: right right like
0: they, they're also very direct and very like yeah you know yeah don't um, go like like rockville feels like a
1: story in a way that this one doesn't this feels this doesn't. like some it's a love song yeah this feels like it's something that is like sung up to a window
0: Yes, and th- I mean that's the idea, and I think as, as far as that goes, it kind of works. It's a bit too slow. Um, it's a little bit too like ponderous for me, mm-hmm. and it needs another part. Yeah, I think like when it goes into that chorus, you know, the, like the, the "You and Me" chorus is kind of a nice melody, mm-hmm. um, you know, and like the other instruments come in, but I, I could again, I could use a little bit more sophistication. I think. I wonder. If underbaked I is the word I'd use for it. Yeah,
1: underbaked, definitely. I wonder if I would have liked this more if uh, uh, Milzy did the uh, did the vocals. Yeah, I mean, I would be
0: very really curious about that. Yeah, because um, it, it'd be very hard because his voice is so much higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because this is just very like. Uh, I mean, Michael Snipe doesn't sing it really low necessarily, no, but the no. chorus gets a little bit low.
1: Yeah, he, like uh,
0: he sings it kind of flat. Like flat, it like, was flat. The word, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, um I, I so it does need another part. I think the fact you know the the fact that they chose to like uh, arrange this with super fuzzy instruments is a is an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's hard to say that it works cause I, I, I kind of don't like the song, but it is better than just kind of like taking in and going whole hog, uh, with, you know, making the music match the, uh, the lyrical content. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like that, 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 that separation that they managed to get.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't hate it. It's very rare that I skip it, mm-hmm. you know, like it just kind of like fades into the background and then it's over. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, for me at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, decent. Um, there is a, he recorded, uh, recorded a version where he was on the bus, uh, Mike Mills, and they really wanted to just release that version yep. where he did the instrumentation on the bus. Um, they took it, they added to it. Yeah. Um, they did all the overdubs, but it's too stiff and mm-hmm. such. And that's in it being released as a B side. It's not different enough and it's not particularly yeah, like yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little
1: bit of a taste of what we got like back in the out of time kind of B side stuff where it's like, Oh, here is a wealth of a wealth of songs in progress. Yeah. Know? So it's like, I will take whatever of that I can get, but you know, it's good that they released this version as opposed to the other one.
0: This version's better. Um, there's a quote from Curtis Downs about this too, where he said like, if we had done this with different production, this could have been like a gigantic hit. Yeah. And I, I think that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Right. So like that fuzz, like making everything really fuzzy, um, the kind of choices they did make, um, you know, if there's a version of this, that is a thousand times worse. Mm-hmm. with like the everybody hurts yeah. production more or less mm-hmm. that I think would have been, could have been like a pretty big hit. Yeah. You know, um, you yeah. it's hard to, argue, it's hard to argue a
1: counterfactual, but I would very much dislike that song and that version of it. No, no, I wouldn't like it. Why? Like, like, uh, yeah. like
0: nonplussed about, it. I'm not, I'm not saying you would, I just yeah. not,
1: not, not crazy about that idea.
0: That's not a good thing to me. Like I, I do not want anything to have the everybody hurts production.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the next song is binky the doormat. Um, another clearly live song mm-hmm. um, introduced on the uh, tour f- or the Monster uh, tour film, mm-hmm. with, as uh, "Everything You Always want to Know About Sex, What We're Afraid to Ask."
2: Yeah. Um.
1: um so I like that the uh, that the title is pulled from shakes The Clown. That is a very underrated movie.
0: It's a it's a weird pull. Yeah, it's a weird pull. <laughs> REM hate this song title. They say it is beyond a shadow of doubt the worst song title they've ever come up with. <laughs> and it's true. It is a very yeah. bad song title. <laughs> It does not it it should not have been called that no, um, and it's him it's him talking about being submissive in sex uh-huh. like it is it is another uh but r e m talking about sex, I kind of like more than sexy r e m to me mm-hmm. like it's it's a little bit more like clinical, yeah, and like how it's not come hither when the choruses literally go away <laughs> you know over and over, like there's a little bit of like kind of analytical nature to it yeah. that i that I actually like. Yeah. um and he he talks about that like distance is my tendency like he mm-hmm. you know he talks about that in his uh in the lyrics yeah yeah
1: distance is my tendency i am defeated yeah yeah
0: yep uh, uh, i love
1: that opening line this is horror movie stuff
0: yeah <laughs> yeah like he's very aware of like him going into this stuff cuz i mean they they name check Al- astroglide in this the uh, yeah yeah the the lubricant like this is this is you know <laughs> <laughs> this is the Rolling
1: Stones of lubricant.
0: Yeah, it really is the Cadillac of it's actually very much not the Cadillac of lubricant. <laughs> it's the free lubricant they give at like college, you know, <laughs> right. health centers and like is not particularly great. Um <laughs>
1: it'll erode your toys.
0: Yeah. Um, and then he's got this lyric that, uh, the genius is a genius.com, but I also think this is probably, probably true uh-huh. given the content kind of song where he says like, I'm just a little acorn, but acorns grow to mighty trees. It's probably about getting a boner right right uh, and a rather than a shower. And it's oh, like, I didn't need to know about Michael's type, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <do> you,
1: know? <laughs> you know, it's a, that's a pretty intimate detail, um, yeah. musically. Uh, so this is, you know, kind of, kind of, a really rocky kind of song, you know, it's rocky. It's one mm-hmm. of those live ones. I like the, uh, uh, the main riff to this like that slinky lead that kind of goes over the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way this sounds a lot as a, yeah. you know, like this is riffy REM and that is a rare treat indeed.
0: Yeah. And the, and the chorus again, huge, huge soaring, like Bill's backing vocals, right? Yeah. Like them recording and writing this live shows through in all of these choruses that are just big, mm-hmm. you know, which I, I really appreciate. Like yeah. I like a big, big chorus. <laughs> it's like
2: Bye. Yeah. You know, yeah, like know.
0: that's, that's great. This isn't them sending tapes back and forth to each other where
1: they only have to fill, you know, a, you know, a single like small bedroom or, you know, studio kind of thing. No, they're like, they're, they're writing these as they are trying to fill empty venues. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah good. you know, Good song yeah like this, this is a, a good song again not you <laughs> know it's like it's like a b it's if it, you know it's not i don't love this but i like it it doesn't it's, it's it's
1: not at the top of this like i've i've got a very strong opinion of what's the, what's at the top but uh but yeah it is uh much better than the than the title would have you believe
0: yeah um and the song that you do think is at the top zither <laughs> A
1: classic Cole Ross favorite. Ooh yeah, no, we're 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 here. Uh, everybody, uh, bu- bu- buckle up and grab a seat because we're here to talk about how good Zither is.
0: Can we can we go back in time and tell REM that they don't need to make an instrumental every time they get a new instrument? Right, like it just like
2: just
0: <laughs> it keeps fucking so, happening where it's like, you know, Mandolin Strum. That's the name of like, that's the name of fucking instrumental you guys did before. Like, yeah.
1: so you know, I, like. There, there, there's a relevant line, uh, one of the books that I read that like, okay, instrumentals are a natural part of the way that we write songs, mm-hmm. which makes a good amount of sense. Um, a good amount of sense, right? Like they said, oh, my, you know, Michael probably wrote some lyrics to this. He probably still has has them. We just prefer that this would be that this would be, uh, you know, an instrumental, and they decided to use it in order to, you know, bring some pacing to the very back half of this. A, this album is way too long anyway yeah um b this is incredibly manufactured
0: yeah (laughs) well and and it's it's not particularly like not just manufactured but also not particularly strong right as an instrumental right like it's it's not a really good melody it's a gimmick instrumental yeah based on electric zither (laughs) like it's pretty boring um Yeah. yeah And uh, it, there's it, an it, instrumental that's on a B side of this too. That is also incredibly boring and like yeah. gimmicky. And like, I sometimes like REM instrumentals, but they're not, these are not in best form.
1: No, no. And the fact that they like fall back into just that really locked in arpeggio that dun, 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 yeah. dun, 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 Like, like, <laughs> like any number of the, you know, the previous ones that they've done like that, that feels like a very, uh, like a retreat to safety. mm Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty so forgettable when i say this is manufactured like they said okay we're in this dressing room in philadelphia i'm gonna put this amp this amplifier in this fucking shower and you're going to fucking mic this shower and we're going to play this Goddamn it because we need to capture some of the spontaneity
0: yeah. yeah 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 it does feel a little bit a little bit forced yeah 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 um yeah i don't have anything else to say about it totally forgettable and probably shouldn't be on the record right like because the pacing does like be mine to binky the doormat to the next song, so fast, no numb, mm-hmm. or so fast, so numb is uh is fine and varied pacing, yeah, you know, this instrumental really just stops everything, yeah, before you get to the end for so, for no particular reason,
1: I could see this as a move if they were trying to set up uh you know the medley at the back half of Abbey Road, mm. you know, like like if it was some spacer or separation. For a number of songs that either thematically or musically linked to each other as like one broader piece. But when you get into So Fast So Numb, Low Desert, and Electrolyte, they don't have that much to do with each other. So, no. you know, by separating these, I think you're you're setting up more of a connection than actually exists.
0: Yeah. 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 It's a bummer. It shouldn't be on here. Right. Who is this for? <laughs> like, who's the person whose favorite R.E.M. song is Zither? <laughs> you know? Who, 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 for whom is this in their top fifty R M songs? You know, right. like it just no good. Um, I like uh, so fast, no so numb quite a bit. Yes. Next song, which I think is a, a good wake up from that. Mm-hmm. But again, that would have been a good wake up from Binky or Be Mine, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and this is this feels very simple to me. Yep. Uh, as a song, again, though, it's it's, it's that formula, right? Like it, <laughs> that seems <laughs> like that should be a downside. Like we're talking about how much variety this is. Yeah. When they have this common like big soaring chorus. You know, or this, like, this does it. This has a big soaring, uh, pre chorus, I guess. Yeah. Um, but we keep talking about these, these similar elements, but it's the stuff around them that's different. So they tend to be built around this winning, winning element. And then the things around them are a little bit, you know, are are kind of these experiments. Yeah. You know,
1: yeah. Um, I like this, I like this plenty as well. I think mostly for the stuff that is at the margins of it. Mm -hmm. The main body of the song is, is uh is just fine i like the lyrical content so you know they wrote this like it's about the senselessness of using drugs you know so fast I'm like it's very obviously about heroin addiction right you know then they have similar lines of what we've seen before you know i don't even know what i want anymore like that gets more prominent placement um weirdly enough what i think i like most about this is the presence of like this boogie woogie piano like way down in the mix
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah it's 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 a real weird choice because it's a it's a really straightforward rocker other than that yeah you know it starts off with like one i love style or uh orange crush drums you know da, 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 da. you know it starts off with this like machine gun of drums mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it's gonna have that piano in it right i mean i i am way into this weird shark imagery in this oh yeah you're eating you're eating cartilage uh, <laughs> yeah you're eating cartilage you know you know you're you're uh uh what is the the thing about not being old you're moving through a frothers you're you're swimming in your sleep like this kind of like yeah yeah all present know, that, tense yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah this like the the shark stuff is is really uh uh immediate yeah and, and good and then that um you know, i also just think it's very like catchy right like i get the i get the chorus of this song stuck in my head yeah. quite a bit um yeah yeah i th- i think this is really good it's again a little bit like the album is too long which which you mentioned, and I think that's true. And this is getting to a fatigue point for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these these kind of big rock songs, but are like kind of standard, you know, B or B plus rock songs. What I
1: what I found myself doing and going back and listening to this was actually like I listened to the first half a couple of times, and
0: then I just started on departure and listened to the second half of it as its own album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, separate as separate second albums. What yeah. I ended up doing a lot of time on I, the first few times I listened to it all the way, and then when I was refreshing my memory more, I would listen to the first two and a half minutes of every song Hmm. you know then at some point i'd be like i'd be doing something like okay i'm ready (laughs) to hear the next song and kind of skip over um even if i don't think the song is objectively too long you know because they they do move and if i just listen to it as a song it works Mm -hmm. yeah but in aggregate it does get to be a lot yeah
1: yeah yep uh but so fast so dumb uh another thing that probably would have fit in on monster i think Mm -hmm. um especially you know given that they also had let me in this feels like a companion piece to that
0: yeah, like very different, uh, very different production, very different. Like, you know, it, it is uh more songly. You know, <laughs> it's it's much more like rhythm, you know, rhythmic, and kind of uh you know drum, drum based, mm-hmm. uh there. But it does have uh, a little bit of that lyric parody. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Probably surprising no one. Like, I do. I do not like Low Desert. Oh. Um. This is my least favorite song on the record, uh, by a lot. Oh. Wow. I, I skip it it's a skipper for me.
1: Yeah. Like, like the, this one falls into the, like, yep, this is the mid tempo, um, you know, kind of oatmeal. REM a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, like nothing about it is so egregious that I would decide to skip it. And, you know, um, this is where the Neil Young influence influence kind of, uh, comes through the strongest for me. You know, the fact mm-hmm. that it is, you know, like a, like like a Southern style amp that they're using. Uh, they've got this organ that is, uh, you know, present throughout. Uh, I was, re- it was originally called swamp. And so, like, yeah. it has some some of that Bayou sound, and the and and the solo itself sounds very Neil Youngish. So, like, I'm going to get in for that, even for the superficial reasons. I don't I don't think that anything like spectacular is happening here, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. This this is a originally a monster song. Yeah. That the swamp would it would have been a monster song, um, and I like Neil Young. You know, like you're you're probably a bigger Neil Young than than I am. If we're going to have a Neil Young off, <laughs> um, you know, but I I do like Neil Young. Um, quite a bit. It's just kind of like, uh, it's a little too Southern for me, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a little bit. And then you know, Hey, hey. you know, there's like, I think the chorus parts of it is a a little bit like it needs a chorus other than that, like the haze, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a little too cheesy. Yeah. Like, like those haze, it it, like feels like, I know that they're authentic because they're a Southern band Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and they don't feel like they're faking it exactly, but it feels like we set out to make a song, that is like a southern kind of like yeah. rock, like a southern rock desert song.
1: Yeah, it's the uh, it's it is a different uh, different side of that manufactured problem.
0: Yes. Yeah, it feels it feels a little too intentional for me. Yeah,
1: no, um, it, it definitely is more of a chorus in the hey is though. Like, yeah. <laughs> they, they could have done they could have done something with that.
0: Yeah. And it just it just doesn't go into, you know, doesn't go into another part, like mm-hmm. the way it feels like it should, you know, and that's what the one of the big strengths of this album has been. It's just like it's, you know, it goes into something. Yeah. Like all these these songs head to a place. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. No, I can see it. I'm not going to argue with it. I yeah. don't think it, you know it's, it's not my favorite on this, but it's also not the pits.
0: Yeah. It's a it's a middle one for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's also and some of it is just the alchemy of music where it's just like oh this melody is just not very appealing to me so mm-hmm. I'm you know I don't want to hear this right now like yeah. it's not uh, some of it is just that instinctual whether something sounds good to your ear
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know it's not really analytical. Yeah. Analytical. I can see the parts that you're picking up on. Yeah. You know that are good. Like. Yeah. As a, no, as a fellow cool. Neil Youngian, <laughs> the Neil uh, Youngian subconscious.
1: Yeah, of course, the, the Neil Youngian archetypes. No, yeah. no, if it doesn't work in the moment, there's no there's no hope, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, it ends with Electrolyte, which is yeah. kind of a, uh, not a sequel, but kind of a, a bit of a sibling to uh, Night Swimming a little bit mm-hmm. in terms of the, you know, a little bit of how it sounds, but also the way it was composed. So this sprung out of a Mike Mills piano part that they decided to bring out into an entire song.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh this is this is quite a bit. It's very uh it's very light. Mm-hmm. You know, um it is very uh uh like it's a little bit slight. It's very poppy. Yeah. You know, um, but very sweet. Yes. Uh I think. Like this is a very sweethearted song. Um, down to the kind of like the uh the cheesiness, like that little three note ding ding ding, like piano thing that brings us in back into the verse over and over. Yeah. Um whatever that name of that Instrument is
1: it? Yeah, it's like a. You know it looks a little bit like a like like a wooden fish that has the ridges on it. um yeah. you drag the you drag the st- you stick over it to make that kind of rattle sound.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little bit cheesy, mm-hmm. you know, but it's uh uh it still kind of works. Yeah. To me, um I like that song quite a bit. I yep. think it's really cute. Yep, it's good. Um, um, you know, and I've you know
1: I will often throw around like oh, slight or saccharin as uh you know derogatories. In relation to a song you know those probably apply here um but like for me i would call it like a lightness i have no idea where the line is between those two things Mm -hmm. um you know or where it comes through i think that like this works a lot because of the richness of uh the instrumentation you know the fact that they have somebody playing violin makes this feel like authentically southern or like celtic or something like that i think that that like that brings a sweetness to it that actually makes it feel very very resonant to me
0: yeah yeah agreed um yeah and and that that sweetness is carried through um not just into the kind of composition and stuff but also the video Mm -hmm. which is really adorable yeah and uh and really sweethearted, which is the band playing but doing a bunch of very cheesy video effects (laughs) um which they you know kind of didn't didn't do yeah. uh ever in their career and now we're indulging in and a real like a bunch of uh pictures of cute people chained to things uh-huh but kind of being happy about it and it's like just regular ass folks yeah yeah you know it's not models it's just people on the street who's like hey do you want to be an rem video we're <laughs> gonna chain you to this this light post and you gotta try, try to struggle against it you know so what should i be doing should i try not to smile like no, no you just, know like like it's fine just go for it was this uh was this a spike jones joint um i that's a good question yeah, I, I mean, one, it really looks like it, right? was. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it, it was that, if, if any of Yeah, 100%. Yeah, because, one of like, this
1: has the, uh, this has the upside down, uh, kind of, kind of shots and also has the rubber reindeer.
0: Yeah. 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 This is a Spike Jones. Okay. Cool. Uh, came back for another, for another bite
1: of the apple after, yeah. uh, or <laughs> after Crush with Ey- Eyeliner.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And this, this is, uh, you know, out of videos on this album, I think this is probably the most, like, interesting one visually at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this is a good album closer. Like, it's not overly dramatic. It's just kind of a sweet, it's a sweet kiss goodnight. Yeah, Yeah. You know? a lot of Hollywood nostalgia and stuff in the lyrics, <laughs> which is a pet theme of of Stipes, of course. Steve McQueen and Martin Sheen. Yeah, very Skinneries, nice. I think
1: and and Bees. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: You know, out of out of another band, I'd probably be pretty annoyed that, like, oh, this is a song about being in Hollywood and look at us, look how far we've come. Uh, but out of Stipe, it feels uh, feels very genuine.
0: Yeah. 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 And it's uh it's not based on it's it's based from like a sweet space, yeah like a genuine appreciation um so what's uh what's first and worst
1: uh, yeah. to um so i'm gonna do first as leave mm-hmm. um i think the you know leave presses a lot of my buttons, you know, and uh you know it this will sound like damnation by fan praise it skirts around a lot of my tolerances. But I love something that just kind of like has room to breathe and has that drone and brings that texture up. I think that it's kind of the apotheosis of a bunch of that, you know, dark stuff that I've really latched onto in a lot of previous uh, kind, kind of songs. Um, mm-hmm. The runner-up would have been How the West Is One and Where the, Where It Got Us. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think both of those are kind of of a piece in you know in in, in some uh, I don't know pre- pre- pretty obvious ways. And that doesn't mean I don't like stuff that doesn't sound like that. You know, there's plenty of, you know, like we said, sweet things. But I think leave is exactly what I want out of out of something that is the uh, the melding between uh, automatic and monster. I think I think that it's them finding th- finding their voice in a good way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't see it quite as much parody between it and how the West was one. But I, I can kind of see what you mean. Yeah. They're both foreboding. I think How the West was one is like way like weirder, though. Yeah. You know, like it defined differently. Like. But yeah, I can I can see what you mean, and that's you know those are those are both songs I like quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I might so it, it, it'd probably be if we're you know not disqualifying singles. "Evo the Letter" is probably my favorite song on this album. Okay. Um, and then but if we're disqualifying singles, which this would wouldn't be doing that, it would probably be "Electrolyte." Yeah. Um, I lo- I, I think electrolytes really sweet. We covered that when I did um the REM cover band hmm. uh, back in my hometown, and uh, I played the the little stick snake thing using a, <laughs> a box fan. Nice. like a drumstick and a box fan. And oh, like, nice. it was very, like, it was very fun. Like, yeah, I have very fond memories of that song. And I think it is, uh, you know, it just comes from a good place. Yeah. And then Ebo the letter is, you know, again, since we're doing the new adventures and file underwater is the, <laughs> I think the most lyrically sophisticated mm-hmm. song on the record. Um, lyrics really work for me. And I think Patty Smith's voice is kind of miraculous and adds yeah. a lot of texture. Ebo is great. Yeah. Ebo is really good. Yeah. Um, what do you got for worst
1: worst would be, be mine. Hmm. Um, I can't, uh, I, I can't throw low desert under the bus because like aesthetically, like I'm just down with them doing their, you know, Southern down home jam. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but yeah, uh, Be, be mine just feels a little bit too slight for me. Um, you know, the production somewhat saves it, but you know, this is a hard choice if we are disqualifying Zither as, you know, the obvious, the obvious one, then it's like that doesn't belong here. I, I don't say... think we
0: disqualified New Orleans and Sarmento last time. Ah, it's. I'm
1: just saying. I think Zither's
0: on the table. If you want to. No, it. no,
1: I'm going to go for b mine.
0: Yeah, um, and then yeah, low desert, low desert's mine in a walk. Yep. Like it sounds like a band pretending to be, like I know they're not, but it just it sounds too calculated for me. Yeah. But like, um, the, like... Zither's awful. Like I think <laughs> Zither's really boring, and stupid. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like, like 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 make it make it a B side, make it something that pops up as you know as a rarity. I don't I don't understand why that why that rates um as taking space.
0: Wh which specifically of these three three losers we're talking about? Zither. Oh yeah. 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 That should have been like add it because it's this album needed by B sides. Uh-huh. And this album needed fewer songs. Like <laughs> you know, it
3: could
0: yeah. have could have done like one song less and been fine to yeah. like yeah, one hundred percent
1: agreed. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous that an album this long in an album this diverse has, you know, not just such high highs because they, you know, do high highs very well. You know, they're 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 generally one or two that stick out, but the lows in this are also very high.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think so too. Like even the worst songs on this are pretty listenable. Right. Right. And the medium is better. Like the songs that are just kind of middle of the road, that would be B's are like B pluses. Right. You know, like, like as much as like departure is not a great song. If I look at analytically, Mm -hmm. like I have a really good time listening to it. Yeah. You know, like it pops, it pops on in the order, and I'm just like, yeah. You know, I sing along, and it like, you know, moves your feet. Same thing with like Wake Up Bomb, you know, which is also like a B plus song to me. Like, mm-hmm. it feels real good to hear. Yeah. You know, like it just uh, yeah. This is the the batting average in general. I think is really high on this record. Yeah. Um. So like super super high highs. You know, I'm not gonna say like oh like the highest high on this is like as high as the highest high on Reckoning. Like who knows. Yeah. Yeah. But they're they're you know they at least approach them and they're the same league. And then the uh, but it's more about the average songs being. Above average. Yeah, it is. It is fucking remarkable as a package. I think so. Yeah, I think this record is really, really kind of essential. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad we've, you know, we got to it. I've been looking forward to it <laughs> and been thinking of comparisons to it more or less, you know, since out of time, really. Yeah. Because there's there's DNA from all of 90s REM kind of in this. Mm-hmm. Um. There's not quite as many um, B-sides and kind of extra stuff as this because they recorded it on tour. Right. You know, so they, and they had extra songs. We know how many songs they wrote for this thing. There's just stuff that's just in the REM vault. So we'll have to wait for that 25th anniversary thing. Right. Um, There are a couple of fan clubs and B-side things we're going to talk about though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh,
1: So the fan club, uh, they have, they've got an uh, uh, Jay and the Americans song uh, cover here, Mm -hmm. only in America. Um, This feels uh, pretty trifling to me, honestly.
0: Oh yeah. Like this (laughs) is like, it sounds like it's from the soundtrack of um, like West Side Story or something. Yeah. And it's not. It's you know, but it's it's some old old timey song, like novelty song that they decided they really liked. Yeah. Like a sixties pop yeah. band. It's the same thing that makes them cover Trog's songs, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just think this is a worse song than than Love is all around, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like this is this is a little bit goofier.
2: Yeah.
0: Um and you know, because they're they're REM, they're doing this for irony's sake because <laughs> you know, they don't believe in the American dream. It's a little bit silly to do this. Yeah. You know, so I get it, but it's also it's
1: also it's also a song that I have to listen to. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, it, it's very slight. Like who yeah. gives a shit? Yeah. Um this was on the, you know, the uh th- this is a fan club single.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, like the, the the only thing that I took from this is I really love when they did the ah uh,
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they, they do that the the, the uh, moa. Um backing vocals on loan from Lion Sleeps Tonight. Yeah. Um the B-side of this was uh I will survive. Um the glory uh the Gainer Gloria Gainer. Maybe I will survive. Um, yeah, I can't remember exactly, but the old disco song. Yeah. Um uh, and this is really weird. This feels like, uh, yeah, Gloria gainer. Good, okay. good pull, Gary. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, good for are uh, not going for Aretha Franklin who, uh, who popularized it. Yeah. Yeah. I knew, I knew that she was, uh, Aretha Franklin didn't do it originally. Right. I just can't remember exactly who, um, this to me sounds like they don't, um, it sounds unpracticed to me. It's like, it's kind of interesting, but it looks like, it feels like Peter Buck is reading from the chords as he's. Yeah, doing it
1: it's doing he's doing and, it from tablature and then
0: like michael stipe is
1: like letting him like let a chord ring out and just like oh okay so this is this is the like the the melody i need to hit at this
0: point yeah what would this song sound what would this disco song sound like without a beat
1: right you know um, which is like you never want to ask is. that question
0: yeah like the, the, the answer to that is bad yeah you know so it's kind of interesting it's like it kind of interesting deconstructed like the value of this is hearing these lyrics uh-huh uh, in a context that's not a disco context. So it yeah. makes them feel a little bit more resonant and, and, uh, and real.
2: Right.
1: Um, it's really dark. It's very sparse. I cannot hear this. Uh, and I know this happened later, but I cannot hear this without, without hearing that kind of bad cake cover of mm. it will survive. Like, yeah. the, like this seems like one of those things like, Oh, uh, what a wonderful world. Uh, yeah. Where people just cover it in a dark way. Ironically.
0: I hate cake. <laughs> <laughs> um the uh we're gonna be uh during the next episode or the next album episode during up we're gonna talk about uh man on the moon yeah and the soundtrack for that and that has uh tony clifton mm-hmm. uh cover of this song yeah uh, i will survive that which is Arian, so much better <laughs> it's it's goofy but it's <laughs> yes. it's still, it's still cheap irony yeah you know it's still it's just like what if the guy who can't sing sings it uh uh-huh. you know um but yeah it's mm-hmm. uh i don't ever need to listen to it again no no you know um more interesting that i'm still also not going to listen to again um they released a a split christmas ep with pearl jam Mm -hmm. um they love pearl jam they actually talked about pearl jam as being an influence on how they put together this album uh weirdly enough yeah
1: yeah well Um, i mean pearl jam sang at their induction to the rock and roll hall of fame
0: mm -hmm. yeah they're brothers in arms um they did a split ep and they did a song called live for today which i thought was going to be a cover of uh no, na 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 live for today. <laughs> um which I love that song. Uh-huh. Uh, Creed Bratton uh, of the office mm-hmm. is in that band. Oh yeah. The grassroots, um, yeah. Yeah, the grassroots, the grassroots song. But it's not that. It's this weird up preview kind of thing mm-hmm. to me.
1: Yeah. Super buzzy, uh super distorted. Like I can kind of get into some of the production parts of it, but again, mm-hmm. this is Michael Stipe.
0: Speak singing a letter as opposed to actually singing something, and and very specifically the letter that is "Ebo the Letter," right? Like it shares a lot of the same lyrics. Like this is kind of a demo version of "Ebo the Letter," yeah, in a lot of ways. Yep,
1: yep. Um, and then there's uh, when I'm happy I'm crying, or I'm happy when I'm crying, um,
0: which which is the Pearl Jam song, yeah, yeah, from that, and it's very arty for Pearl Jam, and it's like, let's do let's do some toss offs, you know, like let's get together, boys, and
1: yeah i I, i'm not crazy about it
0: honestly (laughs) yeah yep um besides there's not a whole lot no um that instrumental we talked about tricycle Mm -hmm. um which is just kind of a surf instrumental yeah uh going back to that white tornado yeah gotta catch that white tornado heat yeah um this this at least i think is more
1: interesting than zither Uh, yeah it would have been super out of place on um on new adventures in hi-fi uh but zither was super out of place on new adventures in hi-fi and i would rather listen to tricycle tricycle than zither so
0: yeah i think so too even though it's so cheesy ding 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 it is is an extremely cheesy song but like it's slightly stronger it's also something i never need to listen to again really right um much better though is they do a a cover a jimmy webb cover of wichita lineman this Um, this song is so good like i I love i love this whenever it pops up me too yeah um like i just there's something about like like you know i like all music except for rap and country yeah like no there's a lot there's a bunch of rap i like an old country is sublime and good yeah yeah yeah. like
1: Like, you know if you're if like if your only exposure to country uh, this is such an old point is like pop country from the early 90s like garth brooks what he brought in uh go back and listen to yourself some real haggard
2: man
0: yeah (laughs) like yeah find find you know find find some extremely old uh you know Merle Haggard or like, uh, uh, who's the guy, Kenny Loggins or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, the, uh, and, or, uh, Jimmy Webb, I mean, Kenny Rogers, um, Kenny Rogers. That's what I mean. Yeah. Not Kenny Loggins. Yeah. Kenny Rogers, uh, uh, Ruby don't take your love to down. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah. So this is a very, uh, uh, very, very good, very sweet song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it's a really like heartfelt, good performance of it as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It It yeah. is like the, uh, the opposite number of, um, oh gosh, King of the road.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's it's extremely good. Yeah. Um. Also, just in for completion's sake, the um the same cover of "Wall of Death" that they put out was also a B side on this, so it wasn't all just them like dumping live versions, right, right, on stuff. But it's some of the stuff that had already been done for compilations mm-hmm. and the like. Yeah. So, but their their tasting covers remains mixed, uh, <laughs> as evidenced here.
1: Right. Um. We already talked about the uh the version of uh "Be Mine" that is subtitled "Mike on a Bus." Um, mm-hmm. like literally this, this is just like the demo parts that they re-recorded later
0: on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they made a B side of love is all around, which mm-hmm. they, t- they did on the, uh, unplugged yep. set, which we'll be talking about next episode a little bit mm-hmm. actually. Um, so this is a studio recording of that, of that old cheesy trog song with mm-hmm. Mike Mills on lead vocals. Yeah. Um, real sugary, real like turtles, you know, sixties pop band. Yeah. Um, but kind of a sweet song. It's sweet. You, know, you can tell
1: slight, but sweet. <laughs> You can tell uh, Mills feels it, uh, and this is yeah. kind of the clearest lead vocal that he's had to date. Like he is not hiding behind a bunch of doubling in this. It doesn't yeah. sound very ghostly. Um, and yeah. so, like, I'll 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 go to this for that. It's like,
0: yeah, dude can sing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mike Mike Mills is a great singer. Yeah, and it's really interesting to hear him kind of like uh up in the forefront. Yeah. Um, during the uh, promotional things they did, they also did a bunch of covers during that. Mm-hmm. A bunch of them are not. Um, I only know that because I looked online at setlist and stuff, but I couldn't yeah. find. YouTubes of them, so I know during uh, these promotional shows they covered uh, Iggy Pop's "The Passenger" a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they would continue to, yeah. but they uh, they did that a lot, so that's worth talking about here. Yeah, um, it's a good song. Which is a yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. Like, "The Passenger" is very good. It's a little too long.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um,
0: even the Iggy Pop version is. But that's a really like those chords just sound like elementally perfect together.
1: They do. Yeah, they just had you to know? happen.
0: Yeah, like and I'm sure they have. Like I'm sure there's tons of pop songs
2: mm-hmm.
0: that uh, that that quote those you know it, it but it sounds really really good yeah, yeah yeah uh michael stapp is having a good time with it
1: like it's very much uh you know in the video that you that you sent me uh, he's doing a lot of audience interaction with it you know and in between the la 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 you mm-hmm. know like like bringing you know getting people to like join in um mm-hmm. yeah it seems it looks like a good time
0: yeah um and they did a bunch of other covers during this time which kind of shows like hey we're doing a promotional tour not doing right. a real yeah. tour um many of which i wanted to find um they, covered, uh, cause they did. Uh, was that other Robin Hitchcock song? Um, the, in the arms of love last okay. time, um, they did a, uh, another, um, the queen, queen of eyes, they did a kingdom of love, which is a really cool, uh, Robin Hitchcock song hmm. from back in the day. Yeah. Um, so them being big Robin Hitchcock fans makes me happy because I am as well. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and that's that's kind of it for uh, miscellaneous material we have. Yeah, for them, there's less, uh, bid that's gonna and that's gonna continue.
1: Yeah, yeah, those the, yeah. those days are over.
0: Yeah. yeah, those days are behind us. Let's talk about uh, Bill Barry's departure. Bless his heart, good lord. What oh. a fuck up. What a fighter. So yeah, uh, let's start this da- this sad story um,
1: with the beginning of up. So we're getting into again this weird little middle middle period where we're kind of between albums. They met at Peter Buck's house in Hawaii uh, to kind of work on some of these new songs for the upcoming album, mostly using just this weird electronic equipment that Buck had uh, acquired over the years. So lots of drum machines, lots of synthesizers, and they were all really jazzed um, about the direction that they would be able to take with that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, you know, Bill Berry, who was kind of in a rough space space, yeah, at this point, uh, our unibrowed friend. Um, so he's very shaken by Jefferson Holt's departure, which like from the outside, we can say like, oh, you know, he, he did this this kind of uh, sexual harassment. And, you know, who cares? It's just a guy. But there's at this point, like their career is what, you know, almost uh, like. 17 it's like 17 years yeah, yeah they probably known this guy for 16 years and lived and worked with him like he was you know a member of the family and like it's, it right, makes sense right. to be shaken by it and then on top of that um, he had just had that near-death experience the aneurysm during the monster tour um, his divorce I recently happened and uh, he's just kind of felt himself kind of growing into this different kind of like pace of life right you know he's like I and you can kind of see it makes a lot of sense where he's just like you know our next album has to rock I really want a tour mm-hmm. and maybe it was him in a conversation with himself, like, do I still want to do this? Do I want to get in one last, like, one rock last and roll rock. tour experience? Yeah. yeah. One last heist. Yeah. No matter how much he hated touring. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, just having this, you know, kind of existential crisis, uh, it, it reads almost, he wasn't, uh, you know, really there, you know, for these sessions and even throughout um, New Adventures in Hi Fi. Like, one of the reasons that leave probably happened was because he was checked out. You know, one of the books mm-hmm. that I read was like, uh, you know, usually if an if an REM song like veered into going over five minutes, like at the five minute mark, Bill Berry would just throw his throw his sticks up, like yeah, yeah. we're done, <laughs> yeah, no more drums for this song. We don't yeah. do long songs like that. So you know, like there there were just all these signs that you know things were changing for changing for him in relation in his relationship uh, to the work. There's a quote here. Uh, he says, you hey, know, I found myself wandering out to the beach and looking at the waves and stuff while the other guys were inside working away. I put some things on tape, but my heart wasn't in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And these kind of this little evidence that he was going to leave kind of, uh, stuck, you know, stacked up. Like, um, some of the band member band, uh, members of the band did this kind of, uh, did this small tour with a, a super group, um, called the magnificent seven on this collection of super groups. Yeah. am um, just kind of like, you know, again, another little stunt thing for, for, Peter Buck to get his dick wet and other bands. <laughs> um, and their, their last stop was in Atlanta where, you know, Bill Berry lives. Uh-huh. And they're like, hey, you know, you want to join us? And he's like, yeah, no. Right. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. So it was not looking good,
1: you know, mm. you know, after after they had just banged out this album. Right. And we're out in support of it and doing the usual like, let's take time for ourselves. Um, and so they went to Seattle as a band to lay down the demos for the next album, you know, for what would become up. Um, and Peter Buck got a call from Mike Mills, Mike Mills, who had been friends with Barry since high school, you know, and was kind of closer to him as part of the rhythm section, all these things, you know, just best buds. And Mills told Buck like, yeah, um, I want you to be prepared when you go to the studio tomorrow, Bill is going to tell you something that you're not going to want to hear.
0: That's always the worst when someone says something like that. Yeah. Like I love Mike Mills. He can do no wrong, but telling somebody like, Hey, expect some bad news yeah. in 24 hours. Cause your mind is just going to like one, you can probably guess. Yeah. But two, if you don't guess accurately, you're filling in the worst possible thing. You're never yeah. going to round up. It's like, Oh, all of us have cancer. <laughs> Even you, like, oh, well, shit. You were injecting us with cancer, Bill Berry? That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Everybody hurts. <laughs> <hers. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm out of the van.
1: Right. <laughs> 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 so, like, yeah. you know, like, Mike Mills basically you know, just was trying to let them down slow because yeah. he, knew, he, yeah. he knew the full extent of it.
0: Yeah. Um. So we told him, like, hey, like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Like, um, Bill told the band it. like yeah yes. like, i just I, I don't i don't want to be an rem anymore yeah but however if this means the band will break up like i'll stay right you know and like that's you know the thought there is very sweet um it's, it's also you're never gonna a do that ultimatum. To say, yeah. <laughs> well it's, it's a shitty ultimatum it's also an empty kind of thing to say because it's like you can be the worst person in the world and make me your slave <laughs> right you know if you if you don't want me to and they, they tried to get him back in to like actually entice him and and make you more interested. Yeah. Like they're like, know? we can record the
1: next albums in your barn. Uh, you know, yeah. if you're tired of playing drums, uh, we can have you play a lead guitar. So like there was a hypothetical version of REM that would have had a lead guitarist,
0: which would have been with, very strange. With with these drum machines and stuff. It okay. would have made up very interesting. Yeah. You know, that's a weird way for this band to be. But yeah. he just didn't want to do it because that's not what he was sick of. Right. You know, and this 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 kind of bargaining like this you think about this kind of profound Difference because it is a uh, a really long relationship mm-hmm. this kind of thing happens in bad breakups Yeah, you know, like when you're in high school and you have your first breakup you try to be like Well, what is the what how can I solve this problem? Yeah, what's the problem? What is,
1: uh, not understanding that the problem is beyond your control.
0: Yeah is all of it Yeah, you know, the problem is just not how I do it and th- that even comes up like buck said like, you know for him It just weighed on him every little bit about it. He dreaded doing demos. He dreaded doing a record He dreaded traveling and he would think about it for uh for the six months previous um, one interview, and he would worry about it for a month. And we could all see that happening. And my feeling was that he would just say, "I just don't want to do these things anymore,
1: which, boy, do I relate to that? Yeah,
0: <laughs> like, yeah, it's really understandable. It's yeah. interesting the way that it kind of happened. It didn't happen suddenly, but it was like a switch. yeah, you know because he liked he liked touring. yeah, like he... we I think I, we don't know we know the least of about Bill Barry on the show, right. We've talked about his insight. He's gets the least interviews, things like that. So we don't know as much about him, but Mm -hmm. what we do know about him is like, he did, did seem to enjoy being like in a rock band. Like
1: he, he was the one who told the other members of REM, if this is not going to be a full-time thing, either, a am going to go be a lawyer or B, I'm Mm -hmm. going to go join love tractor. And that's going to be my full-time gig. Like he was the one who lit a fire under, under everybody's ass, you know, like,
0: are we going to make REM happen? It makes me wonder if he ever, like, it's just a, a literal, like, I did not think this was going to succeed. Right. You know, I didn't think that success would mean this, yeah. you know, and you can't like, you can't really turn down. Right. I mean, you can turn down success. That's what he ends up doing. But right, right. it's hard to, you know, if well, it's just like, hey, everyone wants to hear your record. Do you want right. to make it? <laughs> yeah, every yeah. Day I, I feel pressure. You or know? It's like,
1: like, like what he thought of as success back then, like they succeeded 5, 10, 60 times on top of that beyond what they ever imagined they would. You know, like right. the, the, the terms of the agreement fundamentally changed and like, yeah, he had a version of life in his mind. You know, I, I have no insight into, I don't, I don't have like a line to this. It seems like he had a version of his life in his mind that looked far more attractive than continuing to have, you know, these, you know, these eels attached to him, these leeches.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they tried for a while just to like convince him and tried for three weeks and that, that's, you know, that was probably a real miserable three weeks for all involved. Oh, yeah. Um, and eventually they just, they, they caved. Um, they said, like, no, you know, you don't have to stay, but also we're not going to break up. Right. And Bill Berry is very happy with that. He said, uh, maybe the happiest guy in the world. I didn't want to be the schmuck that broke up R.E.M. Right. Um. So, yeah. And this, this is uh, devastating. We're going to talk about this a lot during the, the up episode because mm-hmm. there's a really good documentary called Falls to Climb that's mm-hmm. on YouTube that's about this transition. Yeah. Not so much about the breakup, but them like trying to be a band and preparing for that tour,
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, which is the tour I saw them on. So it's like interesting oh, wow. to see them like practice this. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah.
1: So like this, you know, re- remember what we talked about toward the beginning of the episode, they had just let Jefferson Holtz go. They had just, you know, re-signed with Warner Brothers under this historic deal. Like they had experience with what happens when stories get away from them. So, you know, understanding that like there there's no acrimony here, but people are going to read a bunch of stuff that <laughs> didn't really happen into this situation. They tried to get out in front of it as best they could. You know, they had mm-hmm. Warner put out um, a statement that hi- highlighted an underlined amicable, like there is nothing wrong here. <laughs> um, you know, it, right. like, it, like it is just, it is just that he wants to leave. And they even set up, you know, to do interviews at their Athens home office with Bill Berry there. He wasn't just like a no show. Like it was, it was almost like he was part of the transition to assure everybody. No, there is no duress. Like, the, like everything else about REM is fine. It is, it is just this one person's choice.
0: Yeah, who doesn't doesn't want to be in the band right anymore? And like they 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 really push this. There's this quote uh, that you have here in the notes from Mike Mills is really great, mm-hmm. where he says like I have to look uh, for some perspective on it, and when I do, I say, well, he's not dead. He's still around. And that sort of shrinks this particular situation to a very small size. At the end of the the day, we still have the band and we still have Bill. Just the two things are not conjoined and that's okay.
1: Yeah. You know, that's fine. And think about this, you know, Mills has been friends with Bill Berry since high school. Yeah. And they fell into this relationship where the, you know, they were friends and, you know, they shared space and they were creative partners for, you know, 18 years on top of the seven years they already knew each other. So for him to come out and say this, and there are other quotes about like, oh, you know, if I want to, I can go down to his farm and pet his dog and talk to him, you know, whenever, whenever I want. And it's incredibly sweet, but like, you have to look at that. Like, this is, this sucks. This is so hard, you know, to have somebody, you know, exit your life in this profound way. Like, I'm going to be honest here. I'm kind of getting choked up about this.
0: (laughs) As a, as a divorced orphan. I understand. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, um, yeah. Yeah. So it is, uh, yeah, it is, uh, it's, it's a big deal. Right. You know? Um, and it's, it's I'm sympathetic to all involved. Right. Right. Like Bill Berry had that huge sense of relief. Like I didn't break up the band, but and I'm sure like, and it was hard for him too.
2: Yeah.
0: Like he didn't have to do the thing he didn't want to do anymore, but he's not hanging out with his buddies. Right. You know, can you imagine going from being able to see Mike Mills like three or four times a week to being able to see him once every couple of months? Oh gosh, it's terrible. Yeah, I don't know if I could handle that transition. Yeah, you have to be really sure that what you're getting in exchange for that is worth it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: yeah. So, oh man, and just uh, the, the the whole like, I have I have infinite sympathy for somebody who just doesn't feel it anymore.
2: You oh, know, totally. Like, that like don't is, force it.
0: Yeah. You know, we keep talking about this, but it's like it's sometimes it's OK if you have like I have the one we have one album. You know, you have one album and you you have one game in you you have one novel and you whatever. That's mm-hmm. all fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bill Berry had a bunch. Yeah. He had like many huge tours, many wonderful wonder, like some of the greatest albums of all time yeah. in him. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't have to be an obligation. Right. You know, this kind of thing doesn't happen if you decide to like quit doing any other kind of job. Mm-hmm. It's just when your job is bigger than than you and touches other people that this becomes this huge deal. Yeah. You know, so like it can happen, you yeah. know, it, it and, and like, it makes sense. I'm sympathetic. I hope the only thing I think about it is I hope he's happy. Yeah. Right. So like, if this wasn't just like a weird, you know, and I'm sure he, if, if he regretted it, it would have been undone by now many times over. And it's a moot point because the band's broken up, but mm-hmm. I hope he wasn't just like, this was just a, a aid on greater existential
1: yeah. Like misery he, that he had. He was going through terrible things at the time. I mean, a near death experience coupled with divorce, like those are massive, you know, foundation shaking things for any person, let alone a person who has the demands of, you know, being in a huge rock band placed on top of them as well. Yeah. You know? And he's he's appeared with them. You know, when they were inducted into the Hall of Fame, Bill Barry is, you know, drummed for them and, you know, piecemeal he's gone and drummed for a couple of other things. He just stopped being being a part of the lineup and you know, the book that I'm reading for research made a big deal to say that like of the biggest bands who had a permanent lineup, it was like you two and our, yap. like nothing yeah. ever changed. And it was the inimitable chemistry that made them what they were for so long. And we're going to see the follow, for well, the fallout from that, you know, for 15 years after this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting to see as a, a fan of the band i hope he's happy i know the band guys ended up being fine yeah you know but they do they do struggle with it you know uh personally which we'll we'll talk about and then artistically
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it ends up being one of those rare things that like it made the next album very interesting yeah
2: yeah um it's, it's
0: not on on you know unqualified success but it is a, i think a very good album and yeah you know shows its struggle yeah and you think you
1: know, you know anybody who's listening who isn't like as entrenched in this as you know we have been over the past you know several months a a rock band getting getting rid of a drummer doesn't seem like that big of a deal a lot of the time you know like oh you know that we can get somebody in there but like for as much as we've made fun of bill barry's contributions (laughs) with everybody hurts or with with tongue you know he was an equal songwriting credit like he wasn't just there in the percussion track you know it was it, it was throughout everything and in the way his personality complemented everything else.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's a, it's a bummer. Yeah. Um, but it is, uh, it's also, you know, it's a bummer. It's also what 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, like it's, (laughs) it's, it's it's, every, every wound is healed. It is sad. It's, it's just,
1: you know, know, I, if, it feels very outsized right now because I've been steeped in it for 72 hours. Yeah. (laughs) It's doing over it because like I knew the, I knew the broad kind of, uh, uh, you, you know, just, uh Let's say a landscape of this, but not actually any of the details or any of the quotes. Some of those quotes just yeah. gutted me.
0: Yeah, it's 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 very uh, it's very sad. Yeah. Um, and on that note, <laughs> um, we're, we're out. <laughs> um, we'll be back uh, in two weeks mm-hmm. uh, with our letters column, our second dead letter office to mm-hmm. Uh A.K.A. File Underwater Unplugged, <laughs> and uh, we'll be talking about uh, your letters and then also talking about the two unplugged sets yes. the band did. That does fast forward a little bit into two thousand one, but I don't feel like. Doing that twice. Yeah. The, yeah. So it's too late, though, to respond Mm -hmm. to those. We're recording that in, you know, three minutes. Yep. So uh, (laughs) look out for that. But then after that, we're going to be talking about that. Yes. Um, What can they do, Cole? Well,
1: uh, if you want to go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, you can check out ways to support us. You know, we've talked about it a lot, but it's a pretty big deal that we have redesigned uh, some of those reward tiers and also put in a couple of new milestone goals or, you know, stretch goals uh, for different things that we can do. Uh, we would really appreciate if you check that out because this shows existence, you know, it, it, it only happened because we met a previous milestone goal. So like, that is the way that we can be confident that if we dedicate new times to, you know, or to dedicate time to these new, uh, new projects, some of which might not be as successful as our main stuff as, as this one hasn't been. Um, it's a way we can be confident that we can go for it. So yeah. go there and look, um, every little bit helps, uh, you know, even if it's just a couple of bucks a month you know, all of that adds up in a big way that makes a huge difference. Like I didn't go to work today. I studied and created, uh, you know, all of these notes, uh, that we talked about, you know, and Gary, uh, you know, put together all of the, uh, supplemental listening and stuff. Like there is a lot that goes into this. That is not just us being on microphone and editing it.
0: Yes. And even if it does turn out to be, this is like the op of duck Feed you know, or the reveal of Duckfeed feed or God fucking forbid.
2: No, no. the,
0: the uh, I won't even say it. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> the, 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 the collapse in the now of duck feed, even if it ends up being that, that that would be not so bad. Right. Um, but you know, we have other, uh, we want to also make our, uh, you know, make our, 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 reckonings and our, our fables mm-hmm. and stuff as well yeah. to continue torturing this metaphor. And some of those are uh, goals on the Patreon. Right. it was, but you, you did a good job of succinctly, saying the reason the relationship between those two things right is that uh, our time is limited um and justifying spending it on these new Mm -hmm. podcasts is not trivial and patreon goals say like hey we've got this additional income we can justify spending that extra time rather than going out and like you working more hours at your job or me like pursuing more side pieces and stuff that Mm -hmm. are not podcasts that i need you know to pay my rent and stuff yeah so yeah um yeah and uh ratings reviews uh telling people about it that's all good follow mike mills on twitter don't harangue him on our account please don't but uh, uh we yeah, please don't do that
1: we cannot emphasize that enough we want to be no.
0: uh uh invisible yeah well i mean i would i would love to be retweeted by mike mills but I'm, oh, i don't want sure. you guys to do it like I, I will i will work on that yeah <laughs> i want control over it no. <laughs> yeah um yeah other than that i think that's probably probably it just about um yeah, yeah. so uh until uh, next time it is the end of the podcast as we know it and we feel fine